Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Welcome, Auburn, into the Thursday edition of Sports Call, live on Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm, and the Tiger Communications app. My name is Ryan LaVoy, the host of this show. Today, I've got T.P. Hammock and Brooks Childress with me as we are with you for the full three hours this afternoon, talking an array of different sports here on this Thursday. We'll have some Auburn football to talk about as they get set for a date with Vanderbilt and Nashville this Saturday. Got to tell you about the decommitment from Auburn in the 2024 class. Going to give some thoughts on last night's exhibition game for Auburn basketball as they took on AUM inside of Neville Arena. We'll talk a little bit about that one. We'll also talk some NFL today on this Thursday as we do each and every Thursday. Get a look ahead to some of the action coming up this weekend, including tonight's Thursday night game. And we'll also have to close the book on the baseball season as the World Series concluded last night in pretty short order. The Texas Rangers have won the 2023 World Series, their first championship in franchise history. Only five teams have yet to win a World Series there in Major League Baseball. So the Rangers removing themselves from that group. So we'll put uh, a bow on the Major League Baseball season, maybe look ahead towards free agency and that sort of thing. So a lot of different discussions to have here on this Thursday edition of the program. And as always, if you want to join the discussion, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one tiger 9 Ryan Brooks and TP with you here on this beautiful Thursday afternoon on the Plains. We'll start with you, TP. Good to have you on today, sir. How are you? I'm doing great. Uh, two of my classes did not meet today out of three, so that's always a, a benefit. And the one class that we did, we talked for like five minutes, and then we watched a documentary. So it was a good day for me as Tuesdays and Thursdays pretty busy, and then uh, the Big Ten announced their 2024 schedule. So really excited for some of those future matchups, like uh, – uh, USC opens the conference late going to Michigan, and uh, Ohio State's going to go to Oregon, which is going to be – there are a lot of good games out there. But uh, <clears throat> overall, though, I got to – I saw some of the highlights of the scrimmage – or not the scrimmage, the exhibition between Auburn and uh, AUM. Uh, seems like we can score, but uh, <laughs> but it was against AUM. But uh, overall, though, pretty pleased. And uh, last night helped Brooks out with the high school coaches show running uh, the thing uh, – running the board. But uh, – can't wait to talk to all of our callers and can't wait to talk some uh, sports today. Yes, sir. And then Brooks Childress again was out there at the End Zone Bar and Grill again last night. We've got one more coaches show coming up from the End Zone Bar and Grill before we take it here in studio for a couple of Wednesdays as Brooks made that big announcement last night. Brooks, good to see you again, sir. How are you this afternoon? I am doing great. Yeah, it was a good night last night. Uh, a lot of coaches came out. Uh, a lot of good food was had at the End Zone Bar and Grill. Um, and yeah, one more one more Friday, or Friday, one more week out there at the End Zone Bar and Grill. I want to thank them for being partners all year long. 
and so then we'll be here for the playoffs. The, the run through the playoffs is uh, we were excited to announce that last night. That uh, usually we end after the or on that first week of the playoff games. Uh, but we're taking it all the way through the Super 7. We've got the Super 7 over on our sister station, FM Talk 93.9, so we will be taking our program all the way through that uh, this year, and so we're really excited. We're really excited for the chances. Uh, there's a few teams here in the region that, uh, that have a chance to make some deep runs into the playoffs here, so excited to uh, to continue that going. Other than that, uh, yes, yeah, some, some Auburn basketball thoughts to be had a, a little bit later on, some Auburn football thoughts to be had as well a little bit later on. Um, watched a little bit of a um, little bit of hockey last night, and a little bit of NBA basketball when I got home after the the coaches' show. So uh, it was a uh, it was a good night for, for some sports. Uh, but I uh, can't wait to get rolling here on this uh, this Thursday edition of Sports Call as we uh, inch our way closer and closer to another great sports weekend. Yeah, absolutely. And again, uh, we had our one and only Sports Equinox of the Year a few days ago. Uh, we're still in the midst of all this consecutive days of college or pro football. Got both on tonight because they actually got an ACC game. Uh, was it Duke and Virginia Tech tonight, uh, which is actually pretty big because uh, Virginia Tech's one of two teams with one loss in the ACC, them in Louisville, and Florida State being undefeated stinks for all the world. They're going to be in it. So it, that last spot's probably between Louisville and Virginia Tech at this time, except, you know, Duke has something to say about it against Virginia Tech, and obviously that would put Louisville in a great spot for that that second ACC title game berth. But anyway, yeah, you got a couple of football games tonight for sure. Uh, we'll start today. I want to go ahead and get to this uh, so we're not remiss and we uh, are able to cover everything that we need to today. I uh, do want to go ahead and tell you about the decommitment that Auburn had for the 2024 class kind of get through that real quickly here a guy that had been committed to Auburn for a little while Jambarian Fat Burnett out of Andalusia uh, he has decommitted from Auburn effective today there was a uh, a tweet he had yesterday which was kind of odd to be quite frank with you because he basically said that he was still committed yet keeping his recruitment 100% open which in fact is not how that goes uh, when you're committed to something uh, and we know that, again, that's the culture for a lot of high school players. They'll continue going visits even while committed and all that. But to say in one breath you're committed yet still talking to everybody again, that's still the odd thing to say. Well, 24 hours later, he officially decommitted from Auburn. So, again, Fat Burnett out of Andalusia, four-star running back, number 20 running back in the country when you aggregate it out on the on-three industry ranking. Uh, three-star prospect by one service, four-star by three. You know, puts them somewhere in the middle of the pack of four stars if you're keeping up with that. And again, the number 258 player nationally. I looked it up today, and Auburn entered today number 17 in the on three team rankings for recruiting. They are still number 17 in the on three rankings. For whatever reason, this decommitment did not move the needle at all in a negative fashion. I don't know if it's because of the average rating. Uh, Fat Burnett was a 90.57, if you grade that out. Auburn's class averages out to a 90.53. So basically, he was right dab smack in the middle of commitments for Auburn in terms of just quality there and ranking. So uh, Auburn does lose him. Uh, but guys, again, as I said, did not change where Auburn is ranked in recruiting uh, and therefore, you know, I guess, again, maybe a guy that you didn't 
love to lose, but again, there is some reporting that again, as some of these situations do happen, maybe it was a little bit mutual even. Yeah, I mean, and, and you look at, you know, we, we talked about it. We, we've, I think we've mentioned it every single time Auburn's got a commitment for one of these future classes. Um, is it, it is, it is, they're, they're saying they're committing right for right now, at least. You still got to recruit them. You still got to, you know, work them. And who knows? He could come back. You never, you never know. Sometimes people will decommit and then they'll come right back to the, the same commitment. And so uh, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening with him. But you look at the Auburn running back room, and this may be a part of it. Uh, you know, you, you look at, uh, there's no seniors in that running back room this year. Um, you, everybody is, uh, that has played meaningful minutes, Everybody that could have a meaningful is is not a senior. You've got uh, Jarquez Hunter, who's a junior. You've got uh, Brian Batie, who is also a junior. Then you've got two guys that are uh, a lot of people have been high on uh, this year. Damari Austin's just a sophomore. Jeremiah Cobb's a freshman. Uh, and then you've got uh, Sean Jackson, who's had a couple carries. He's just a sophomore too. And so it's a it's a younger side of things running back room. And so if you're one of these uh, top running back, you know you you look at you said he was class of 2024. Yeah, he's next year. So next, you know, you, if you're next year's class, you're looking at that running back, uh, running back room, and you you may see not as many options or not as many chances to get playing time uh, at Auburn next year. Um, and so that that may have gone into his decision too. But like I said, he, he could still come back to the to the program. He could still uh, you know he could still recommit to Auburn. But you know, you look at that running back room at, at, uh, in the, for the Tigers right now. It's fairly young uh, and very talented. And so that that may have played a role in his decommitment. Yeah, and I, and I wonder too. Again, uh, and along with that, if Jarquez Hunter struggling out of the gate, kind of squashing his pro prospects, whatever they may have been coming into the year, uh, kind of altering those in a negative way, has something to do with it too. I mean, to some level, you walk into a situation knowing you'll have to compete with somebody, and and probably somebody that had been there, but when you're having to compete against a a starter from the previous year you kind of go into it understanding that there's already kind of a a a, a really uh or i should say a real ceiling that exists on the amount of touches you're likely going to get in your one you factor that in with in theory all these guys can come back now i'm past the point in the year 2023 a promising that pe- all, everyone in a room will come back because that's just not how the portal's been working. And so it's all well and good to say, you know, well, Auburn could have Jarquez Hunter and Brian Batie and Damari Austin and Jeremiah Cobb all back next year. And they absolutely could. I'm not telling you you can't. But what I'm not going to take that as gospel, and I'm not going to say that it's 100%, even though, again, if you are – Fat Burnett, you're looking at it and say, well, what if even three of the four come back? And I think that's the issue. If Hunter, it, it doesn't even matter to put the names to it. If three of those four come back, including Jarquez Hunter, who was the starter this year, there's no opportunities for Fat Burnett in his freshman year or most any running back in their freshman year. Maybe a five star guy would get some opportunities. But again, there is kind of a pecking order to it, and especially when you still kind of like all these all these guys. I mean, running backs have not been the issue. Yes, Auburn has not been elite at running the ball this year, but I think that those guys all offer a little something different, and they all have those flashes where you absolutely see the talent. I've certainly felt that way about Damari Austin earlier in the year. Then he got hurt, had a fumble problem, but got hurt. 
Uh, I feel that way about Batiste as just a change of pace back, somebody that you like to get on the edge. And I feel that way about Jeremiah Cobb and the limited action we've seen. So I, I think all those guys have talent and all those guys will will continue to get more opportunities as their careers go along. And so you're looking at it, and if you want to play from day one or you want a clear pathway to play, then you know it, it, it starts to get tough for you. So – Again, every kid has different situations and that sort of thing and different preferences and priorities, but maybe when the commitment happened earlier this year, you're thinking Jarquez Hunter ends up moving on after this year. Maybe now that's not the case, and therefore you're not so sure about the opportunities available in the first year or two on campus. And again, with the portal, it goes for everybody, new guys, guys that have been here a couple of years, etc. cetera. Uh, the opportunity to transfer has never been easier, especially the first time. And, again, a lot of player movement on that side of things. But uh, Jamarian Burnett out of Andalusia has decommitted from Auburn. But, again, not changing Auburn's team rankings, still ranking 17th in the 2024 recruiting class rankings. We're going to take our first break of the show. When we come back, we'll go to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Sports Call has been on the air since 1995. Let's get back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Feel free to give us a call at 334-887-3401 or toll free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday. Certainly a lot to get to today as a lot of sports stuff going on. Uh, we always still, we have not done this segment in a couple months. We, we used to do birthdays in sports, uh, and we still post that graphic, and we will return to doing that uh, sometime in the future. But uh, for now, I just want to give a shout-out because it's Roddy White's birthday. He turns 42, and Roddy White is is probably my second favorite UAB player of all time. Love Roddy White. Um, My favorite player is Joe Webb because he was on terrible UAB teams and yet would run circles around defenses all for seven yards. And then uh, just just all kinds of – incredible plays he'd make on bad UAB teams and thus he still made the NFL coming from four and eight UAB teams so love Joe Webb but certainly love Roddy White too and glad he had a really good NFL career for the Falcons and um, again really enjoyed watching him play some of my first memories of watching UAB football uh, were with Daryl Hackney at quarterback and Roddy White at wide receiver so he turns 42 today and again we always put those birthdays in sports if you want to see them each and every day on our Sports Call Auburn Twitter page, at Sports Call AU. All right, let's get to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line for the first time today. 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, 888 tiger 9 First up, 
Ward Damn Steve. Retire Ward Damn Steve is with us. Steve, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing good, guys. Uh, how's your Thursday going? Uh, doing quite well. Okay, well, it's good to hear your voice. And also, uh, Mr. TP, who is an excellent uh, phone call, I guess, um, uh, operator, screener, yeah. Yes. Operator, screener, yeah. yeah. Well, thank yeah. you, Steve. Yeah, uh, and uh, Mr. Brooks Childress. Yeah. Good afternoon to you. All right, guys, let's get to it. Uh, first, you know, I saw early this morning that uh, a legendary basketball coach by the name of Bobby Knight uh, has passed away at the age of 83. Yes, sir. Now, uh, he was a heck of a coach. I, 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 can't, I can't take that away from him. However, as a human being, he was a troubled person. Uh, you probably may have some clues about that, right? I'd like to get your thoughts and comments because uh, from the Bleacher Report, you know, they point out some of the just really uh, troubling, uh, uh, I guess, personality issues that, that he has. One was he was accused of punching a policeman. I don't know if you remember this. In the 79 Pan, Pan American Games of San Juan, uh, and after that he never returned. He was convicted of misdemeanor. In 85, you remember throwing, he threw some chairs onto the court during a game against Purdue? Yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, he was ejected and suspended for one game. And then in 1992, uh, during NCAA tournament practice, I forgot about this until I read it, he brought a bull whip. And yeah. he said it was given to him by the players and mock whipped one of the black players by the name of Calvert Chaney. I don't know if you guys even remember that that happening. Yeah, yeah. And then the NAACP said that was a trouble message. And then he headbutted. Sharon Wilkerson in 1994, while berating him during a timeout, though Bobby Knight said the headbutt was unintentional. Okay, wow, yeah, I use that unintentionally. Uh, and then, guys, he was fined $30,000 for, it says here, well, I remember seeing it, uh, choking a player by the name of Neil Reed. It was back in 1987 when it actually happened. Uh, and he was then, of course, he was fired by school after the it says alleged incident. Well, there's nothing alleged about it. It really did happen. Um, so, guys, I want to get your comments. You know, I know people also, well, they don't want to say anything unkind about somebody after they pass away. Well, these are just facts. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not very pleasant. But, long, yeah, he was a great coach. But with that, I also say, you know, this guy uh, didn't uh, have a very, I guess, a, a very good frustration tolerance, is to put it mildly. Yeah, I just think that people can choose to remember him however they will. Uh, and I I don't have a strong opinion one way or the other. He means a lot to a lot of people. Some people don't like who he was as a person. All all that was fine. And and I don't have any um, any preference on how to view it. Um, again, it, it's going to mean more to other people than it is to me. And so... Again, I'll let people feel how they feel about it, but I, I don't. I'm not going to go out of my way to say, "Oh, you know, actually, he shouldn't be remembered fondly" or anything like that. It's it's up to those that mean that he meant, meant something too positively or negatively, and I'm going to stay out of it otherwise. Well, uh, what you said is fair. Uh, I have no problem with uh, your thoughts. Anybody else want to uh, have the comments before we go on? No, I mean, I, I agree with the way that Ryan uh, said it. I think he said it perfectly uh, about the passing of Bob Knight. 
Brooks, anything you want to answer? Uh, I mean, it, it's you know, it, it's a sad day for the basketball world. He he had his negatives, and there were some positives there too. I mean, you you ask the Indiana faithful how, how they feel about uh how, about Bob Knight. I mean, it's it's uh it. He was uh, he was controversial, but he ultimately, you know, he was a really, really good basketball coach, and I, th- I think that, like Ryan said, however you choose to remember him, that that's you know the the, the folks in uh, uh, around the college basketball world and around the Indiana basketball program are are the ones that uh, you really look kind of lean toward. Okay, fair enough. All right, guys, um, this is a segment for uh, for you also, uh, Jeff. Useless information. This comes from Jack McKessie of Sports Writer USA Today. And I was kind of shocked when I read this. I was struck by this. It's entitled Low World Series TV Ratings in 2023 Continue a Seven-Year Downward Trend. And then I went on to read it. It says Game 2 and Game 3 set a new record for the lowest viewing, uh, I guess, of audience uh, of all time in uh, Major League World Series. Guys, were you aware of that? Yes, I have been keeping up with the ratings there. And um, my thoughts on it are I think there's a lot of issues there. I think baseball did what they could from the standpoint of a pace of play. I think you saw that helped a lot of things in the regular season. There were some pretty positive ratings in the regular season. The attendance went up in almost every single ballpark. I think that change was made in effort to try to help the viewability of it. And I still think that was a success. However... I think that the two real problems at play here are the fact that, look, we might have enjoyed it as huge baseball baseball fans, but the reality is the fan bases of the Arizona Diamondbacks and the Texas Rangers do not expand in the ways that these other teams that have made the World Series recently do. They do not have as big of national followings as teams like the Astros, Phillies, Dodgers, Braves, etc. I mean that that's just the facts. And if so, if it's not your team or a team that you love to hate, you are going to be less interested unless you are an absolute diehard fan. And so I think that that was a part of it. And then I think the other part of it is still the real uh, the real issue that all these leagues are going to deal with of cord cutting and that there are going to continue to be less and less households uh, watching these events and having cable and having any you know just just having tv and not having anything other than streaming or, or that sort of thing so i i think that those are real problems to try to deal with and if you look at a lot of the ratings i think nba finals ratings have for the most part gone down for several years now uh you know the super bowl continues to fluctuate i think those ratings are still pretty good but i that that is a problem that most if not all of of, of channels will have to deal with is that's why they're going to streaming services themselves trying to get their own uh, profit from streaming and, and that sort of thing so again I think it, it I think it's about cord cutting but I also think going back to it like yes it, it is two franchises that are, are less less followed throughout the country and you know uh, if I I didn't know any better I'd say you must read the, uh, the explanations because uh, those pretty much are uh, run uh, the the uh, the factors that uh, the writer said uh, why or the the, the viewing share so abysmal. Um, he mentioned that small baseball market for the two teams. Yeah. Another factor he said uh, the lack of uh, I guess notable or star you know uh, players uh, for, for both teams. Would you agree with that? Yeah, I, I would. I mean, again, as baseball huge baseball fans, we appreciate some of those guys on those teams for sure. They're still 
really good players, but yeah, they're not the national names that people, you know, fodder about throughout the year as, oh, he could win MVP or, you know, he's my favorite player or he's my least favorite player. Yeah, th- those, those are not the type of guys on those teams. And the final factor that he mentioned in the article that explains a little viewership below us uh, is due to he was competing uh, with primetime college football and NFL games. Uh, and that was the third fact that he mentioned. Anything that competes against the Shield is going to have an issue. I, I don't really necessarily buy some of the college football stuff because this is still a professional sport. These ratings are still usually better than the biggest college football games, or at least regular season college football games. I mean, again, the the ratings on this used to be in the tens of millions of people, 11, 13, 15 million people. So that's still more than watch regular season college football games. But uh, certainly against going up against NFL, that, that is a losing proposition for any other league. Okay. Moving on to useless information. I guess you guys know, may not know, Las Vegas Raiders – have their interim head coach, right? Yes, Antonio Pierce, yes. Yeah, well, the Cowboys, Michael, Michael Parsons, yes. called, called the Las Vegas Raiders out on their guaranteed head coach contract. Did you read that? I did not. Yeah, well, apparently uh, when they announced uh, the, uh, um, the, I guess, the interim head coach, uh, apparently uh, Mr. Michael uh, said that uh, it was a scam, in his own words. Uh, he said, in fact, he says, but players says, can't get fully guaranteed money, LOL. S-H-I-T, a scam. And uh, as I went to read, read it, I didn't know this, but uh, Gruden, who signed a $100 million contract, and of course resigned, all right, and then McDaniels, less than two years into his position, uh, had a six-year contract, uh, and it goes on and on. And, uh, wow, I guess. You know, there's only two players that have guaranteed contracts in the NFL. I didn't know who they were. Did you guys know? A fully guaranteed contracts? Um, yeah. Sean Watson's one of them. Yeah. That's the that's one of the craziest ones to potentially have them, too. I don't know who the other one is. The other one's Kirk Cousins. Okay. And, and, of course, he just got injured uh, badly the other day. So, yeah, uh, I would say that, again, the second one, the McDaniels thing, I mean, that, that goes that way in college football, too. I mean, that's that's – Talking about buyouts or guarantee contracts and that sort of stuff, and, and that's just poor performance. The Gruden is about litigation. He may may not end up paying him all that. I think I think it's still going through litigation, all that sort of thing on who, how much they're going to owe and that that because that was a different case. But yeah, I mean that's always been the case with with coaches that you you sign these contracts and most, if not all, of it's guaranteed. Obviously, in college, most of it's guaranteed because of the the buyout difference and that sort of thing. But then it's all guaranteed in the pros and. Uh, to my knowledge, it's been that way for a while. Yeah, and according to the writer uh, from this article, it doesn't look like it's going to change in the near future about the lack of guaranteed contracts for NFL players. Yeah, yeah. All right, more useless information for those of you who might be betters at times. Thank God I'm no longer. Uh, this was hilarious. This is a bad beat. Uh, do you recall the score uh, by chance of the uh, Boston Celtics playing the uh, Indiana Pacers? From last night, I know the Celtics won by about 50. Uh, actually, 51. Yeah. I, well, I said about the, 50. The score, yeah. yeah, close. The score, why I'm reading because this was a really bad beat. They won 154 to 103. The line, guys, was 51 and a half. That's not, that's not possible. There's no way they would have said Celtics were 51 and a half point favorites coming in that game. Well, that's what I'm reading. This comes from Leach Report. This says bad beat. 
Pacer fans, after losing this is, uh, by 51 uh, points, and they said the line was 51 and a half. I said, I've never seen a line that big. They're talking about an in-game line that changed like in the third or fourth quarter that you usually get yeah, some in-game yeah. odds. Yeah, it was an in-game line, yeah. Okay. And I said, wow, that was a bad beat. Yeah. Okay. To, to open up the game, the Celtics were an 11-and-a-half point favorite. Yeah, he just yeah, – That's he, what I was wondering, yeah. yeah. I said, how in the world did they get – I've never seen a uh, line uh, that big. All right, moving on, guys. This one, uh, I started to say, are you serious? Uh, this comes from the uh, 247 Sports – Nathan King, and they always do an opposition uh, interview with uh, their 247 Sports colleagues from uh, the other opponent they were playing. Well, this time they chatted with somebody who covers the Commodores for 247 Sports, Robbie Weinstein. And what got me at the very end, uh, even though he predicted that uh, Auburn was going to win pretty soundly, 34-17, this, I said, are you are you uh, seriously sports writer and saying this? Here's what he says at the end, guys. He says, I don't think there's a big talent difference between these two teams. As Vanderbilt has dramatically underperformed this fall relative to what it has on the roster. Okay. Uh, what reality, what what world was he in or is he in? Yeah, no, I, I, would, I would not agree with him. I, I know that Auburn is definitely not as talented as they've been in years past, but Vandy does not recruit up in the top 20, top 25 area. And, uh, again, the, the expectations are Vandy. I know, I know that some people, some people think you can be feisty from time to time and win five to six games or something like that, but it's still Vanderbilt and, and going three and nine, four and eight, stuff like that is, is, is not, not really below expectation. That's, that's still around expectation most years for them. So I would not agree with that. Yeah, I was just struck by how in the world can you be a sports writer and say that Vanderbilt's talent is uh, not not big talent between us and uh, and them? Wow. Okay. All right, guys. Uh, about Mr. Uh, Fat Burnett, that's the name, right? Yes. Okay. According to Christian Clemente and Nathan King, they alluded last night or implied that uh, this is probably going to happen because apparently there are concerns about his academics. Uh, for one uh, factor. And I know if you guys had read or heard about that, that it was not just how he presented it. I'm just, yeah, I'm, I'm taking my my commitment away. That there was something going on on Auburn's side as well about his recruiting, his I, commitment. I do feel that there's there's probably something going on on Auburn's side too, but I, I, I wouldn't have been able to put a, a target on exactly what it was. So it could be that, but I, I don't have any uh, information to, to support that or deny that. Okay. All right. Uh, moving on, guys. The uh, game coming up Saturday. Again, you know, we, we've talked about it. You know, I, I can't imagine it's going to be a close one, uh, but weird things happen during the Vanderbilt games that we've seen them happen before. Hopefully, there's nothing weird this time. And then about last night's uh, uh, game, guys, uh, several people um, were slightly injured, I guess. One of them being uh, Janiah Broom. Uh, he's seen apparently after he came back uh, from falling down uh, on his shoulder, I think it was left shoulder, with an ice pack on it. Um, during a conference after the game, uh, they said that Coach Pearl didn't seem to be really uh, seriously bothered or troubled by it. Is that what you guys are hearing or reading? Yeah, I, I did read that. Uh, I did see the injury. I just walked into the arena. Uh, it didn't look awesome, although I didn't see him fall. I just saw him on the ground. Uh 
He iced it. It was the right shoulder. I know someone said left, I think, on accident. I think it was the right shoulder uh, from okay. what I saw. Uh, obviously, he shoots left-handed, so I, I don't know if there's a huge difference, but right might be better. But I, I, I think that it is something that they've avoided serious injury, but I would at least question his status for Tuesday because, I mean, it is five days away, and, uh, again, we don't know the severity of it yet. But I think they escaped major injury. I'm just not sure in the short term. And then also injury-wise, uh, Mr. Aiden Holloway didn't play last night. And what I read from uh, – Rolled ankle, yes. Uh, yeah, is that, how serious is that going to be for him to, you know, um, I guess recuperate from that? Yeah, depending on the honesty and, and – specifics of of the ankle if it's just a rolled ankle then i I would expect him to be back uh next week if it's actually a sprain and there's some sort of grade level sprain to it then it could be a couple weeks but from what they've given us i I would anticipate him being available next week okay from what you saw guys and i know it wasn't probably a more really really realistic uh you know uh, game in terms of opponents um what concerns what positive did you see uh, yeah, we're, we're going to talk about it uh, more in depth here in a little bit. But I, I think that they they got to try some things with lineups. Some of that was out of necessity because of injury, but they had some different rotations there. Uh, you know, it, it's hard to tell playing the team of Auburn Montgomery's caliber because there's just a couple possessions there where AUM just, just does absurd stuff. So, I mean, uh, I, I think that the shooting thing – is something that's going to be a little anxious about going forward. I know Bruce Pearl is very confident in it, so I'm not going to panic yet, but it was clearly a bad shooting night outside of Denver Jones. I think I liked what Chad Baker-Mazar presented. There was more of a drive game to him um, that, that I realized we'll see if he can do it man-to-man, but certainly against zone, he was not just settling for threes. He was driving. He had a couple and ones, so I like that, but I, you know, I, I wasn't overly impressed. I mean, it just kind of it was what it was against a team that's just nowhere near the, the competition level of, of an SEC team. Yeah, I'm just hoping, you know, this is just not a, you know, a, 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 a real actual, you know, projection of how the team's going to end up playing. Because uh, when I read this, I said, well, this is not really good at all. Except for Denver Jones, who I think made, uh, only missed one of his threes, or did he make all of them? Uh, I do recall him missing one. I think he might have been four or five to uh, finish okay. it out. Yeah. Well, the rest of the team was going to combine one of 17 for three-point range. I said, whoa. Yeah, no, it was clearly bad. I mean, and shooting can't – I mean, we're just seeing it once. Now, Denver Jones was four of eight, by the way. He missed three. He was 50% on threes. But, uh, yeah, clearly one one sample size of shooting is not, not going to be the end-all, be-all. But, yeah, it was definitely not a great start. We'll see if Aiden Hallway adds to that. But, yeah, you're looking you're looking for four or five guys to hit shots that did not hit shots last night. Steve, we're about out of time with you. One last thing with us. Okay. Well, with that said, guys, I'm out of time. Okay. I'm out of breath. So <laughs> thank you for your time as always. And uh, look forward to uh, talking with you guys uh, tomorrow and maybe uh, hear some of your predictions. Now, this is a podcast later and hear Coach Pearl's comments as well. So until tomorrow, guys, have a safe afternoon and evening, and uh, War Eagle. War Eagle, Steve, appreciate that phone call. That is Retired Ward Steve joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. We're going to head to another timeout, and when we come back, right back to the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9.
have your attention, please? Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? We're Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show. Hi, my name is... What? My name is... My name is... Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. I'm Corey Grant, former Auburn football and NFL running back, and you are listening to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Welcome back to Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Time for another phone call here before the end of hour number one on our orthopedic clinic phone line. Next up today, James from Montgomery. James is with us. James, how are you this afternoon? I'm good. And War Eagle. War Eagle. Yeah, I am uh, celebrating my Texas Rangers win. I've been uh, congratulating my team on on a on a great uh, night last night. Seeing my team actually win uh, three games to one, and I'm hoping that the Texas Rangers would go back to the World Series next year. Yeah, well, the, it's too early to be thinking about next year. I, I mean, I would I would enjoy the victory against the first ever. Rangers World Series win and and, and that's a, a a great accomplishment and so next year let next year be next year enjoy this one this off season. Yeah, so that's what I'm gonna do as well and um, you know I'm I'm just very excited to see my guys actually winning and um, I, I was looking earlier today I was looking at uh, some comparisons between my Texas Rangers they compared my uh, baseball team to uh, to some other. Uh, to some other teams in the Dallas Fort Worth area. I know my Dallas Stars won the net, the Stanley Cup playoffs. I think last year or the year before last, I got to check on that. Um, my Dallas Cowboys, uh, they won multiple Super Bowls. And I was looking at um, the only team that's in the Dallas Fort Worth area that's never won a game in uh Super Bowl or anything would actually have to be the Houston Texans. I mean, I, I don't I don't see the Houston Texans actually making it this year to the to the Super Bowl this year as well. I mean, they could try, but I'll just have to see how things go this weekend. I mean this coming up Sunday, so I just have to see what they're gonna what what Houston is actually gonna do as well. Yeah, the Texans have the Buccaneers this weekend in Houston. Again, they they would not count in that uh, Dallas Fort Worth area as they are in the the Houston area. Uh, but uh, but yeah, no, I think that uh, the Texans obviously have not won a Super Bowl. They are a newer franchise, but they've not been and they've not won yet. And uh, they're not going to win it this year. I'm going to go ahead and, and boldly predict that. Yeah, so I'm just going to actually add that uh, to the to the to the not so Super Bowl uh, champions this year because I think with the Houston Texans slash uh, Houston Oilers, they have never been to the Super Bowl. They, you know, I've seen like film from uh, the Houston Texans slash Houston Oilers. They never played in the Super Bowl. I mean, I looked at it. I've looked at their their Super Bowl uh, history. 
behind the team, and it seems to me that it's not their year of actually making it to the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, uh, again, and just uh, want to be 100% uh, sure there, you know, the Houston Oilers became the Tennessee Titans, so, uh, you know, a little different organization there. But, mm-hmm. uh, but yeah, no, the, the, the Houston franchise has, has not won a Super Bowl. Uh, the Oilers had not won a Super Bowl uh, either, slash the, the Titans, although the Titans got very close. Yeah, so that's why I put those two teams in the in the uh, non-category Super Bowl as well. That is how that but, works. Yep, hundred percent. Yeah, so I'm so I'm just gonna see how uh, this NFL season is actually gonna look. So I'm I'm pretty sure I'm rolling the dice and seeing if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers might make it back to the Super Bowl. I'm uh, seeing if they're go- I'm actually gonna root for the. Uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers this weekend to actually see if they're going to make it as well. And um, I don't know about Kansas City. I I mean, that could be a, another matchup that I would like to see, you know, uh, with uh, Patrick Mahomes and, uh, you know, their head coach, uh, and um, uh, Coach Reed. So I'm just going to see how things go and look with that team as well. Yeah, we shall see. I, I really appreciate your support of my Buccaneers, James. I'm not as optimistic as you are uh, that they're going to reach the Super Bowl, or for that matter, even the playoffs this year. But we'll see. It's still early, still first half of the year. And then I know that you're wanting to see someone other than Kansas City. So we'll just see how it all uh, shakes out. Yes, as well, because I know you're a huge uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. So I'm always picking some uh, guys from your team as well, and I have the whole entire Tampa Bay Buccaneers defense in my fantasy league. So I'm gonna just see how they're gonna how they're gonna actually give me some fantasy points this weekend as well. Well, I certainly hope so. I hope the the Bucks turn over the Texans a lot and, and don't allow a lot of points, thus giving you a lot of fantasy points. Yes, as well. And then last night, I know Auburn um, Auburn men's basketball played. Uh, U- a- AUM and they really did good and I'm probably see I'm going to see how they're going to do this year because I looked at the schedule and the schedule for the Auburn men's basketball team with Bruce Pearl I think they might make it to a uh, a March Madness uh, next year as well so I'm just keeping keeping hopes alive for for Bruce Pearl as well and uh, seeing if they're going to make it back to the uh, March Madness tournament uh, next year in 2024 as well. Yeah, I, I think that's a pretty good prediction. I, I would think that uh, I think that Auburn will make the NCAA tournament in March of next year. Not sure how what what kind of seed they would be, how deep they would go, that sort of thing. They've got a lot of things to work out, but I do expect them to be able to to make the tournament once again. Yes, as well because I know uh, this coming up weekend, I know the the uh, Auburn women's basketball team has a huge exhibition game uh, this weekend. So I'm actually seeing um, it's going to be 100% on um, you know on Coach Harris' team and uh, seeing what she's going to do with this new improved team. And I looked at some videos and they look they look like a, a good team that they might make it back to the Final Four this year as well. And seeing some newcomers coming in to to actually you know fill that fill the spot in for this year, and I might go and see some Auburn women's basketball games sometime real soon. So I'm just going to see how their uh, season goes as well, and I'm going to be looking at their schedule very closely as well. Yeah, we'll see. They're just trying to uh, trying to take the next step. Last year they made the NIT. They've not made. The NCAA tournament yet with Coach Johnny Harris, so I think that's the goal for this year is to get in the big dance. But 
uh, we'll see how that program continues to develop. Yes, as well, because I'm actually going to be looking at some uh, college basketball games. I had uh, Alabama State playing Ole Miss, so Alabama State, this is going to be um, Alabama State's first time ever playing in a, a non-conference game outside of the SWAC division. They never played in uh, another conference outside of their division. So, I mean, you know, with the SEC and the SWAC division, I mean that. I mean Alabama State has has their hands full with this one. So I think Alabama State is they're they're really going to you know bring bring a lot of um, a lot of pain to the to the Rebels as well. So I think the Alabama State Hornets would uh, sting these Rebels very very badly as well. Yeah, Alabama State, as uh, every single other NCAA or NCAA team, has to play out of conference there. So I mean they. Uh, that they do play non-conference games each year. I think they even played USC last year and beat them. I think, or 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 beat somebody out of conference in the last year or two. Uh, that was significant, but uh, or nearly beat them. Something I don't know. They 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 definitely played USC last year. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, they they play out of conference every year, and uh, they they will continue to do that. Obviously, going forward. Yes, because with Alabama State, they do have a new head coach as well over in uh, Alabama State. So this will be their first time ever um, playing basketball. They've they've had some allegations under the radar, so I'm thinking that the Alabama State Hornets might make another SWAC divisional tournament title sometime real soon, but I'm not quite sure on that as well. Yeah, uh, again, I we'll we'll see how they do in the SWAC tournament. Again, I I don't uh, don't have the best feel for how that one's going to go this year, but uh, yeah, we'll see what Alabama State can do. Yes, as well because I'm actually going to be looking at uh, the NBA uh, playoffs, uh, ter- the in-game tournament today and tomorrow because my Dallas Mavericks will be playing against the uh, NBA champs, uh, the Denver Nuggets. So we're playing in Denver, so that's going to be a really good uh, test and seeing if Luka Doncic would make a huge uh, upset on the road to Denver. So I know it's going to be cold up in Denver, so I just have to see how things are going to be looking for my Dallas Mavericks as well. And maybe I'll see them actually making it to the NBA Finals this year as well. Yeah, I know that they're off to a good start this year. And I know that uh, Dallas has a, obviously a long way to go with the season. It's a long season, but uh, we'll see. They, they Again, they are off to a good start. Luke is an awesome player. We'll see if they can keep it up. Yes, that's well. And then later on, in a few hours from now, I'm going to be watching some college football. I have uh, Bethune-Cookman actually winning, and then I have Troy winning. And then I'm going to see how Duke is actually going to win because I know that's uh, JJ's uh, team as well. So I'm going to see how his team is actually going to do and uh, maybe, you know, maybe send him some tweets about his team as well as I'm watching the game as well. Oh, yeah, that would be a, a good idea. We'll see how his Blue Devils do tonight. All right, sounds good, and um, I'll probably take that uh, Veterans uh, that Veterans Day trivia tomorrow as well. All right, well, it is coming up, you know, next week, so uh, it's, it's at the end of next week. So maybe maybe we should hold off till next week, a little closer to time. Okay, sounds good. I'll call you all back on tomorrow as well, War Eagle. All right, War Eagle. That is James from Montgomery joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, and that is how the first hour will end here on. This Thursday edition of Sports Call coming up in hour number two. 
We'll talk a little bit about that Auburn basketball exhibition as they took on Auburn Montgomery last night. We'll also get into some NFL. It's an NFL Thursday here on the show and a little more on Auburn and Vanderbilt as they get set for a matchup Saturday afternoon. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. One hour of our show is in the books. We've got more to come. Stay tuned for another hour of Sports Call right after the break. Since 1995, Alabama's sports talk leader, Tiger Communications, proudly presents Sports Call. It's time to join our Sports Call crew as they discuss the latest headlines and happenings around Auburn and the entire sports world. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. We're taking phone calls all show long and want to talk about whatever you've got on your mind. And now, coming to you live from the loveliest village on the plains, Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show, Sports Call. Second hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday afternoon. Coming up in just a little bit, we will transition into some NFL And a little bit later in the 5 o'clock hour, we'll have more on Auburn and Vanderbilt. Start to look ahead finally towards that one. Uh, But for now, I want to mention a little bit about the Auburn basketball exhibition last night. Get a few words in on that. Again, the season getting closer and closer. Just five days away from Auburn taking on top 25 Baylor, which maybe makes it a little bit more concerning that Janai Broom did go out last night. With an injury about three minutes into the game, he did not return after that shoulder injury. Saw him icing that shoulder again. Auburn feels that he has avoided anything serious, uh, but only time will tell if he's going to have to miss a couple games to start the season or not. Uh, Aiden Holloway did not play last night. That was a rolled ankle situation in a scrimmage against the in the secret scrimmage against Furman on Sunday. So again, they feel pretty good that this is not um, not going to keep Holloway out much, if at all. Again, but a couple things to monitor ahead of Tuesday's game against Baylor. I was there last night. I know the game was not watchable on TV. I think they posted some highlights. Um, so I'll give you a couple observations I saw in person. I thought that, unfortunately, and, and look, it's this could have gone either way. Auburn ultimately won this game by nearly 40 points, and – if they had won, lost, won by 40, lost by five, it it, it wouldn't have changed a whole lot of the, the sentiment, I, I don't think. I mean, some teams that have been very good still have lost freak exhibition games and that sort of thing. So it's the, the result to me was never what I was monitoring. I, I, I didn't care what the result was. What I cared about was how it felt, how it looked, and how it compared 
to last year. And again, some of those things will still be incredibly difficult to to know until they actually play Baylor, a pretty pretty darn good team to start the year. But I, you know, look, the outside stuff was certainly concerning. Um, one game, a great team, a great shooting team can have a bad shooting game. That that is. That is not a foreign concept, so we don't know what Auburn will be like shooting the basketball. But Bruce Pearl still is very confident in it. He was still confident in it last night. But the reality is Auburn was 5 of 25 from 3 last night, and Denver Jones was 4 of the 5. He was 4 of 8. So they, as Steve said earlier, they were 1 of 17 shooting threes outside of Denver Jones. That, that's not going to cut it. And even if Aiden Hallway comes in and makes it better – that that kind of production is going to be disappointing. And, and guys like Chad Baker-Mazzara and, and Katie Johnson to some degree, Jalen Williams, they need to make some threes this year, period. I mean, just period. Um, you know, defensively, I thought they looked pretty good, but, again, that's about opponent. And Auburn Montgomery was having trouble driving around them. They had a couple of just awful decisions and awful awareness plays and just things that, smaller divisions of the sport that's going to have happen and they had a kid they had a kid from uh from the birmingham area i'm not gonna i don't need to single him out but they had a kid from the birmingham area last night that just did not look like he should be playing college basketball period and getting getting minutes for them uh so they 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 they're again it's a it's a different level of competition i thought some nice things that auburn did i thought i liked what chad baker mazara did putting the ball in the deck um did, haven't seen a lot of tape on him before Auburn, so I, I knew the numbers on the shooting and that sort of thing. But to see him score double figures and not hit a three was probably good news. Again, nine of those points were free throw line, but hey, you go nine and nine at the foul line. I think there's some shooting acumen in there. I don't, I don't think you stumble into nine of nine from the foul line and have no hope of hitting jump shots. So that compared to and uh, combined with what he did. And previous stops in college, I, I like the chances that he's going to be able to be productive, especially if he can put the ball on the ground and, and add to the shooting. Auburn overall as a team shot 43 foul shots. And again, that's why you say, oh, they scored 100 points and they made 31 free throws. That's not a repeatable thing. They're not, they're not going to shoot 40 free throws a game. So again, how did they score other than those 31 points to the line? Obviously, you said not much the three-point line. There was a few times where some bigger Auburn players – like Dylan Cardwell just would get a board and just bully some people. I think Cardwell had 10 boards on the night. We've not known Cardwell to be an awesome rebounder. He's been fine, but he is a big dude, so he's going to out-rebound smaller guys. But his energy was great. Energy was pretty good. So, I mean, th th that was a positive. But just in terms of promising you good things throughout the, the schedule this year, no, I mean, I didn't see a ton of things that are easily transferable when you play better teams, like I said, I thought individually Chad Baker Mazzara's driving. I thought Trey Donaldson's passing. I I mentioned that yesterday. I wanted to see. We're all talking about the scoring element to Donaldson and Hallway, but who who can set up others and, and who can be a true floor general and create? And and Trey Donaldson had eight assists to one turnover. That'll get it done every single time. I will take that every single game. So that that was good news, even though he was not big on the scoring department. So again, there were some good things in there. And you also got to keep in mind, Broom played three minutes. Hallway didn't touch the floor, and you still look this good. So again, I don't, don't I don't want to make it seem like this is some uh, a reckoning is coming. I, I don't feel that way. <laughs> I just think that okay, I, I don't think that this necessarily means they're going to be hell on wheels. But I see the potential. I, I I see some good things, 
and I think they checked enough boxes in 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 the exhibition. But again, gonna be tested immediately. They don't walk into this thing playing some some small teams. They're gonna walk into this playing a top twenty five team in the country and a national championship head coach and uh, on a neutral floor. So I mean, they're gonna have to be ready immediately, and that's gonna be a tough game. So I turn it over to you guys. I know not able to see the game. I mean, what are some of the questions that you have for this Auburn basketball team coming into it? What are the things that maybe make you a little anxious, or what are the things that make you feel confident? Just give me a couple things uh, to be looking out for here in the early part of the season. Yeah, I'm just look. Oh, sorry. Uh, I'm just looking at the uh, just just looking at the stats, uh, and you know, you can only take so much away from highlights and everything. And when you read into the stats, you know, you you can you can read in them, but you know, actually seeing what happened. That's why I think it was really good that you spoke first <laughs> because you were actually able to see what what happened last night. You got a bit more of a feel for it because you know we we've got you know we've got callers and folks that like to bring up all these stats and everything. And yeah, you can look at these stats, but you, you've got to add the stats with what you see on the on the on the uh, on the bit or on the uh, on the actual court because I could point out you know I could look at the stat right here I could say Auburn had 58 bench points last night that's yeah. great well they played 15 guys in the uh, <laughs> Auburn, Auburn played their whole bench last night so 58 points with 15 guys playing that's that's good right that that is that is you know that those are the numbers that you would think so there's some stats here that. I could be very positive about, but they you have to look at what the context they're in. Like 50 points in the paint for Auburn on on the night. Yeah, that's good, but it feels like Auburn was a bigger team than than what AUM was, and you know, rightly so. Auburn's a, a Division One basketball program. AUM is not uh, uh, not on that same level. So, uh, you, I, I like that. Um, but the, those are some those are a couple stats that are a little misleading when you when you look at this. What concerns me. Is the 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 one that stands out the five for twenty five that really concerns me because you know we, we you saw it last year you saw this team last year was not a great three point shooting team uh, and in the past years that's one of been been one of Bruce Pearl's strong suits is is live and die by the three a little bit um, and they made it work a little bit last year we we're able to you know manufacture get into the tournament get to the second round of the tournament but you know this is that's going to have to be something and I know you know you 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 talk to you know you listen to Bruce Pearl last night. After the game, you expect those to, those uh, to start falling, but it's uh, it's something that that's gotta that, that's gonna have to improve as you go through it. Um, you know, if you, you look at field uh, free throw percentage uh, for the for the night, seventy two percent free throw percentage for the team. Um, I think that's that's something that a lot of people have complained about over over some a few years uh, for Auburn. I, I think that's got to get a little bit better. Uh, what I do really like one, one one set that I really really do like is and I know it was it it was a you know a, again an exhibition you, you look at the stats and you, you only read so much into them but 29 points off of turnovers I really like that I really like being able to get the ball turn the ball over and to manufacture points off of that turnover I, I think that's really good I think that's one of those stats that you can look at and you can um, you know it you can get a lot of turnovers. But in, in a game like this against a team that's not as talented as you, but converting that into points, that's really important. I think that once you get into to the bait the meteor schedule, once you, you start playing some of this power of uh, these big non-conference games and you get into the, the SEC portion of play, turning the ball over is going to be important. And then getting points off of those turnovers is, is going to be very, very important when, when you're looking at this Tigers team. I was really excited to see uh, how Denver Jones would do. To answer your question, what, what did I want to see? I wanted to see how Denver Jones would do. And he had 18 points last night, and I was impressed from uh, 
what I heard, I didn't get to see it. You got to see it, Ryan, obviously. But um, I was really excited for that. You know, he came in uh, as a scoring threat, and that's what Auburn needed. You know, that was last year. You know, we we had some low-scoring contests that were just brutal to watch, and uh, hopefully he can come in and make some uh, make some contributions. But, yeah, I mean, it went about the way that you'd want to. And for those who are saying, oh, you know, it's an exhibition. Auburn hasn't lost an exhibition since sliced bread. Well, in 2017 and 2018, Auburn lost uh, their exhibition, and they went on to win the regular season SEC uh, title. So, I mean, they can lose, and teams lose all the time, like you said. I mean, St. John's lost to Pace University like earlier this week. So, um, I was very pleased, though, from what I saw. Hate to see Janai Broom get injured, especially again, you know, whenever Baylor's the first game. Kind kind of disappointed in that, but I mean, you know, injuries are part of the game. So, but um, yeah, they took care of business against the Warhawks, and uh, we'll see if uh, Broom can play against Baylor. Yeah, uh, Auburn is ultimately victorious, one hundred two sixty six against AUM. Let's go back to our orthopedic clinic phone line three three four eight eight seven three four zero one locally or toll free one triple eight nine Tiger nine. Next up on the program, Jeff from Columbus. Jeff is with us. Jeff, how are you this afternoon? Man, doing great, doing great. So glad you all are talking about some basketball during football season. I sure, man, that really gets me going. Hey, do you all know that it is Friday, November 3rd in Guam, and it's also 7.15 in the morning? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. I I think I know what you're referring to, yeah. Yeah, now you do, now you do. Hey, if... uh, if Steve in this dang thing with dang Bobby Knight, man, golly, he's obviously never been in the military. And if he was, he never he wasn't in the military before 1980. Because I guarantee you, I know a bunch of drill sergeants a lot tougher than Bobby Knight. And uh, same with, what, Woody Hayes? Do you all even remember Woody Hayes? Do you even know Woody Hayes? Yes, at Ohio State, yes. Ohio State, and didn't uh, and what was the guy from Clemson? He got in a little bit of trouble. And tell me, is Ray Lewis in the Football Hall of Fame? I believe so, yeah. To my knowledge. Well, I, I, yeah. yeah, there's a good role model. You know what I mean? And uh, Coach Butts, I don't know how when it becomes offensive or whenever it's over the line, but I can't remember how many times I had my neck twisted off by uh, – First Sergeant Butts, who was my Pee Wee football coach, when I was about eight years old, he grabbed me by my face mask and made sure that I was over the right tackle and not the right guard. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it just it, it gets me the way Steve went through to make sure that you specifically, each one of you specifically asked how you felt about Bobby Knight because of his terrible ways and stuff. Huh. And like you said, I've got, I've got family in Indiana and stuff, and before – I guess you all mentioned it on the show yesterday, and even before I could uh, check my phone again, here it comes. Oh my gosh, they dang Bobby Knight's dead. I'm sure they dang uh, you know they're 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 all probably wearing armbands, got wreaths on their door up in Scottsburg, Indiana, right now because uh, they were just glad because he finally. I didn't realize that he had moved away, and they finally he finally came back to Bloomington. I guess it was a couple years ago was his yeah. first appearance back. Yeah. So that was that was really something. Dang. Uh, but uh, 
Man, I hate you. Uh, hey, I got one more question, Brian, and yes, I sir. think maybe you address. Yesterday, after I called the second or third time, I don't remember which, we had gotten to the discussion about Oklahoma and USC. Right. Okay. Yep. They were both undefeated, right? Going yes, into they were. The, they were. Okay. Yep. And I know you said you're what twenty seven or twenty eight, and this yes. happened in twenty four. I can't do the math that quick. But how old would you have been at that time? We've been about eight. Eight, okay. Yep. Did you watch Auburn's football and stuff? I was starting then? to comprehend, yes. I was starting to watch it, yes. I, I do okay. remember Auburn Did beating you, Virginia Tech in the in the bowl game that year. Do you also remember the pass that Virginia Tech dropped in wide open in the end zone? And I think it was towards the end of the third quarter where it put it, that would have put them ahead? I, I don't recall that specifically, no. I got you, but um, but here's my point. And this is what I was getting to yesterday. DCU was ranked number two because they lost to Georgia in the national championship game. And I know what you're going to say is, okay, there weren't two undefeated teams worth last year, right? Right. So what you're saying is an undefeated Auburn team should go over the Oklahoma team because they only have one because Oklahoma had the loss, is that correct? Uh, if that had been the case, yeah. I mean, they were all they were all undefeated going into that game. Right. Okay. Because that's why. Uh, and but also in 2004, I think was it Bill Bailey? I know it was Bill Bailey was on the phone. And uh, get who else? I don't think it was Dan Peck back then. He was younger than that. But we had this conversation then. I don't know why I'm rehashing it now. But they said, and the other Auburn people have said it, they didn't want any part of that USC game after they, the way they got killed by Oklahoma. So I, I don't know. I, I just I pick on Alabama people for all their, you know, golf digest, you know, championships and stuff like that. <laughs> I guess you know you just got to win them outright. But dang, hey. I appreciate y'all taking my call. I know I've been on way too long. I appreciate what you do for me every day. Are y'all seen any good movies or any books? You read any good books? But you all, you all have a great day. I'll call in first thing tomorrow and make sure you know. I'll give you some different information just to keep y'all up to date with current affairs or something like that. Okay. <laughs> that sounds but, like a great idea, Jeff. Okay, y'all have a great day. And once again, I want to tell you how much I appreciate y'all taking my call. And um, I guess I'll let some other callers in here. I just hate to take up your time this way, but thank you again, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Appreciate the call, Jeff. That is Jeff from Columbus joining us on the orthopedic clinic phone line, uh, referencing earlier calls uh, for sure there. Yeah, I again, I, I wish that I would have known all of the – um, the baits and all the all the different arguments being made in 04 um, because again obviously I'm not going to uh, remember every single part of every schedule and that sort of thing obviously know who's on those teams and that sort of thing uh, but I, I again would just simply say that back then to have three undefeated teams that's the perfect year of why you needed a playoff I mean again that would have at the bare minimum, I don't need to get into who should have been in what and who deserves what, given that USC became ruled ineligible because of Reggie Bush and that sort of thing. Uh, but I but I can tell you again that if you've got 
three undefeated power conference teams, you're in a bind, and someone's going to feel left out even way back then. And again, I, and it and it still, I'll tell you this too, it absolutely blows my mind that you used to just play uh, bowl games and have an AP national champion. That that's still um, patently absurd, in my opinion, to to not have anything that decisively declares a champion, but. Again, there you go. That's uh, that's where we are not now, and uh, you wouldn't have that situation come up uh, here in 2023. That's why we do the, the playoff four and going to eventually do a playoff 12. Let's get one more phone call here before our next commercial break here on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line. Next up on the show this afternoon, Daryl from Auburn. Daryl is with us. Daryl, how are you this afternoon? Well, second call in two days just hadn't meant that I haven't been listening to you. Yeah, yes, sir. I, I I know that you listen quite often. Every day. Well, I, t- I apologize since uh, my schedule at the grocery store. Sometimes I don't listen to you. Who was that caller and Gus Malzahn's last year's? He was an older fellow. Shadow, probably. Shadow. Yes. But Shadow and Steve had something going on, you know. Or I feel like everyone was having uh, fights with Shadow those days. What is Jeff uh, Shadow's uh, grandson? Uh, no, they are, they are not related. Je- Jeff uh, Jeff's in Columbus. He's a he's a Georgia fan. Shadow was in Montgomery, and I don't really know what Shadow's up to these days. Okay, well, I hope he's doing okay. I mean, I hadn't heard from Shadow in years. Yeah, no, Have it's been, been a couple years. I know he had some medical events, and uh, yeah, he yeah he, he was he was not doing well in last check. I know JJ tried to keep up with him, but yeah, we've not heard much about him the last year or two. Okay, well, I wish him well. Uh, but anyway, you know, I like I like the interactions between your callers. You know, they're not hostile. They're just like you know, yeah, playful, playful fun. Yeah, playful fun. Yeah, nothing mean. You know, but tell Jeff, uh, and I think I know the area of. Uh, I grew up in Columbus, and uh, yeah, I think. Well, no, the area, probably Hardaway High School. Jeff kind of hadn't responded late. But um, it's a real, uh, all, all areas of Columbus are nice, but more, some are more kid-friendly than others. Yeah, that's how I put it. Sure. So if he gave out uh, candy uh, in the kid-friendly area, it's sort of like, you know, when I was a kid here in Auburn, I'd go to the good neighborhoods like Grove Hill and uh the nicer neighborhoods, you know, Sanders Street, you know, it was a little spread out, you know. But, you know, all the kids, you know, they just sort of go to the good neighborhoods, and that's where you got all the candy, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got to go find that candy on Halloween, absolutely. And then uh, I talked to a couple of coworkers. All my kids are like 20 to 27. I was like, what are you going to do, you know? And the Downtown Merchants Association always has a downtown uh trick-or-treat yeah which yeah which that's the safest way to do it because you have auburn police in the area you know and then uh, it's a sad thing i i used to see some negative things yeah I, I, we're past halloween we're getting on to november but uh the only negative thing on halloween there would be some people that were driving under the influence or parents dri- uh, walking under the influence and you sort of have concerns about safety on a day that kids are supposed to be out yeah i, I know that tom uh, tom peavy when he was on the show a couple of days ago make sure he said uh, 
for everyone to be safe. And and yeah, all, sometimes uh, you you have big big events, big parties like that on, on a on a holiday or just on. I'm I mean, I guess in a college town, it can happen more frequently too. So you just try to always be careful and watch what you're doing. Well, you know, if you're a kid, you need to wear a, uh, uh, carry a flashlight and just get back in the house right before dark. So <laughs> but anyway. I don't want to digress and talk about the peanut marshmallow candies that we all hate. We're just going to move on to Black Friday deals, I guess. Then, right? yeah, I mean, it come, some some companies do that early. I mean, it's, I mean, it gets earlier and earlier every year. It's not even on Fridays anymore. Yeah, I went to Walmart and it's like Black Friday special. It's like we ain't even got through Halloween. Yet. <laughs> it's like good grief! You know, yeah. This is ridiculous. But anyway, I'll let you get on with your next customer. Enjoy listening to the call, and I encourage Jeff to call back. And um, while uh, not Wildman Steve, uh, or damn Steve, you know, and all those guys, I enjoy listening to all your callers. And uh, every once in a while, if I have something to contribute that's positive, I'll call you up. Yes, sir, and we we certainly appreciate you for listening. And whenever you you call in as well. Okie dokie. Y'all have a great day. You too, Daryl. We appreciate the phone call. That is Daryl from Auburn joining us on the Orthopedic Clinic phone line, and we're going to head to our next timeout of the program. We'll get to some other things when we come back, including the National Football League and a little on Auburn Vanderbilt. That's all ahead next here on this Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger 95.9. our conversation tweet us your thoughts on twitter at sports call au this is former auburn football player danny skutak and you are listening to the abbey award-winning sports call auburn Welcome back to the Thursday edition of Sports Call. Tiger 95.9, Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday, already halfway through this edition of the program. If you missed anything, go back and check it out on the Sports Call podcast presented by Coca-Cola. All right, it's time to change things up to what we typically do each and every Thursday, and that starts to look ahead to the NFL season as a The NFL season each and every week starts on a Thursday, and it starts tonight with the Tennessee Titans and Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers lost last week to drop to 4-3 and on the season. Titans won last week. Get to them in just a second. Uh, The Steelers, however, did not look good in their game against Jacksonville. There was some weather in that one. Continue to just be constantly underwhelmed by Kenny Pickett. Titans against Atlanta 
So we knew Tannehill was not going to play coming in that game. He did not, and now he may not again because Will Levis looked really good, and they tried to play Malik Willis a couple plays. It did not go well, and I think that Tennessee would be smart here just to keep going with Levis. I was shocked. I'm not going to say that one game means he's all of a sudden going to end up becoming awesome and that sort of thing, but uh, that big arm was on display. DeAndre Hopkins informing people he is not over the hill just yet. And the Titans got a win that, look, I, I, I don't think anyone's going to be running down Jacksonville the way they've played. But you get a hodgepodge of teams with, with how many wild card teams you get now. You get three in each league. You never know on that front. And certainly Tennessee's going to be encouraged from what they saw last week. Henry had 100 yards rushing, Hopkins 100 yards receiving, and Levis over 200 yards passing and four touchdowns. It went very much according to the plan for Tennessee for really the first time uh, all season last week. Yeah, and they did it against a team with the Atlanta Falcons that, you know, is uh, we've, we've noted their struggles offensively. I think a lot of folks had talked about their defense was, you know, was is not horrible, um, and they were able to go out there and, and get that win. Um, well, I, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I think for, for Titans fans, at least, it was a breath of fresh air to see Will Levis come out there and, and have success after T- Ryan Tannehill not, uh, not doing much. And then uh, Malik Willis is uh, also, you know, not go, doesn't, didn't go well, as you mentioned. But it was a breath of fresh air. Obviously, it, it doesn't mean that he's going to be the future quarterback there. It doesn't mean that he's going to have a, get bet, uh, a good game, too, even. Um, and, you know, you, you look at this the, the, this titans team it, it just it, it gives you it gives your fans a little bit of like a ah that felt good that was a that was a, a good win we were you know we had a a guy that we got in the offseason and deandre hopkins uh really stepped up will levis a, a guy that we we've acquired we, we drafted a, a you know he, he looked he looked fairly uh decent in that game and so I think they've got a. I think it's it, it's a you know if if Levis can keep playing like this, and you can continue to uh, you know if the the Titans can build off that momentum, um, you know we were talking going into last week about a maybe a fire sale going on at, at Tennessee. Uh, if they keep playing like this, they could you know you could start see them uh, build some momentum for a, a run at a playoff spot. The NFC South is uh, again we we've talked about the NFC the AFC South. We've talked about the AFC South not being the strongest of divisions this year, um, and it, it you know they're still the door is still open for almost everybody in that that division to win the game. Looking at it tonight. Um, Tennessee has not played well away from home. They've not won a game uh, away from their their home stadium this year. Um, the Steelers didn't. You know, you, you talked about it, you didn't look that good last week uh, against the a Jacksonville team, who uh, is you know they're they're fine. They're, they've got some good pieces there, but it's not like they're an elite team. It's not like they're it's not like they're one of the the elite in the in the National Football League. And so I feel like you know I feel like this could be a really fun matchup tonight, um, and you know you know Thursday night football a lot of stuff can happen. We we've watched Thursday night football games over the last few years, and, and different things can happen. Um, and it, it should be a it should be a really really fun football game. I, I really like where, where the line is set with Pittsburgh at three. Uh, I really like that line because you know if, if this was turned around at the uh, at Tennessee, it'd be a, a pick'em game. 
Yeah. Uh, do we know if um, Kenny Pickett is playing tonight? Uh, I know he yeah, got – Double check that. I know it was Trubisky in the second half. Yeah, I was about to say, I know he got dinged up, so we'll have to see about that. But, yeah, I was impressed with Will Levis. I didn't think I'd be saying that today. But, uh, you know, he, he balled out. He threw it to DeAndre Hopkins a lot, and that's a good way to get uh, get some touchdowns, throw it up to D-Hop. So, um, yeah, he looked really impressive. He made some really good throws against a good defense, as Brooks was alluding to there, because that was uh, that was the big thing for Atlanta. It wasn't like we we're like, well, their offense is bad, and it is bad. But we, we were like, but their defense bails them out more times than not. The defense and Young Way Koo, who's one of the best kickers in the NFL, so. For them to just kind of get torched on uh, through the air, that was really surprising, especially by a backup quarterback making his first start in the NFL. Because we've seen rookie quarterbacks make their first start and just get uh get manhandled for say it's just a you know a different feel, and it happens every year. It's going to keep happening, but um yeah, overall, I was pretty impressed, and uh, I think it'll be fun to see if Will Levis can do it against the Steelers, who have historically always had. A very proud defense. They they rarely give up big big uh, scoring outputs against them. So we'll see if Mister Levis can do it again. Yeah, I'm going to be very interested to follow it because it's now on my radar. I, again, I was strongly against him in the draft process, and again, one game is not is not the end all be all. But that certainly piqued my interest going forward to the point where I tell you. I, I don't think the Titans should waste time with Ryan Tannehill anymore. It, it's over. Uh, Tannehill's not should never play another down if if Will Levis is healthy there because he was already probably in his last year. He's thrown two TDs to six picks this year. They were two and four with him, and it do, it's not about if Levis ends up being awesome this year or not. I think it's about the writings on the wall. You can't win with Ryan Tannehill anymore. Uh, not not any longer. He has left his prime. I think Derrick Henry is starting to leave his prime. Uh, they do have some roster issues there in Tennessee. And I, I understand that you get a guy like Hopkins and you keep Henry because you're trying to make one last run, but Tannehill's not the guy, period. I mean, they, they were not – their best chance is to see if Levis can maintain that all year long and if he's already going to go ahead and develop into something really good. So, uh, and, and also with Tannehill, too – He's just not – he was not giving uh, a, a great opportunity to complete deep passes. He was very much taking the, the shorter stuff, and I think that's why Levis is a better match for Hopkins. Hopkins is at 500 yards in seven games. For those thinking that he was washed, he's on pace for 1,100 yards this year, even with Tannehill throwing to him for six games. So it, Hopkins still has it. He He's still got a, a big, big finish in the tank here. So – you're not catching Jacksonville. They're six and two, and I think that Jacksonville's looking like the third best team in the AFC right now, personally. But I would say that you can still, once you go through the standings a little bit, you can convince yourself that at ten and seven you can make it. Now, can you get to ten and seven at Tennessee at three and four? Probably not. But Levis gives you that little hint of hope that you could go on a big run. I mean, the only you you should not be scared of anyone in your division. If you're looking at Tennessee's schedule, I, I don't know what will happen in Pittsburgh tonight. They go to Tampa. They can beat Tampa. Tampa's not that good. Then they go to Jacksonville. That's gonna be tough. But then listen to this stretch. Okay, they've got a really two games they absolutely should win. You host Carolina, shouldn't have to worry about that. Host Indianapolis. Post Anthony Richardson is a different Indianapolis. They're not very good without Anthony Richardson. That needs to be two. 
the the stretch that will define them is the two out of three when they have at Miami, which is very tough. Host Houston should still be good, but then host Seattle. Got to find a way to win two out of those three, and I know that's going to be very difficult, but the the reality is is there there is some opportunities there. Can they get to nine and eight? Absolutely. Can you get to that magical ten? I'm not sure about that. There there are a lot of teams, but again, at least with Levis, you have this this first couple weeks of action where it's hard to game plan for him because you're basically using a bunch of college tape. Atlanta didn't do anything well against him, so you only you only have positive things on tape from Will Levis. So there is an opportunity. I think they need to win this game tonight. But if they do, then I, I think they're not out of it. For Pittsburgh, Kenny Pickett is playing. I did confirm that. That's good news, I guess. I think it's just kind of irrelevant, though. This is a defensive team that asks its team its offense to score just enough. And if it doesn't, it, it won't win. And but their defense is really, really good. They force a lot of pressure on the passer. That's why it's going to be interesting for Levis because Levis, Levis is not going to have all day tonight. Uh, he he is absolutely not going to have uh, the, the great pockets that he had against Atlanta. Atlanta is still a little short on pass rushing from time to time, and, and he was given a lot of time to make those deep, deep ball throws. I don't think that will exist all night for him in Pittsburgh. So I lean to Steelers in that one, but – uh, I think it, it became a much more interesting game now that Tennessee got that win last week and has a new quarterback situation. I quite frankly was just tired of seeing Ryan Tannehill operate in the National Football League. Um, other games. There are some, some really good stuff this week. There is a game of, I think, great value in all four time slots on Sunday. And, yeah, I said four because there's a Germany game. And that 8 a.m. Germany game is really good. But there's a game at 8 a.m., there's a game at noon, game at 3, and the 7 o'clock NBC game that are all, in my opinion, high-quality football games. So we'll start with the 8 a.m. game, and then that'll take us to about the end of this hour. 6-2 and two, Kansas City. No surprise to see them here on pace for about a 12-13 to 13 win season. 6-2 and two, Miami, who has played like the Miami well, – let's – this shouldn't be quite earth-shattering. This is the Miami we saw pre-concussion for Tua last year. This is who they are with Mike McDaniel and Tua Tagovailoa healthy. They're a heck of an offensive team. They have some defensive issues. They've got to prove it against physical defenses, defenses that are really good at the point of attack. That's why they struggled a little bit with Philly. That's why they struggled a little bit with the pass rushing in Buffalo. They've got to figure out how to play against a really good defense. Uh, that That is going to be their task if they can really, truly compete with the AFC. But this is a big game because this is the team that you're probably going to have to beat. Maybe not in the AFC Championship game. Maybe there's another team in there that, that you would end up facing depending on seeding. But this is the defending champ. That This ultimately is the team you have to knock out at the end of the day. And with Kansas City... I don't think people realize, you know, they're still six and two this year. Mahomes has been fine, but he's not been otherworldly. They don't have the receivers to make it look otherworldly. Pacheco's pretty good, absolutely, but they're actually winning some games with defense this year. I don't know if you'd have this in your in your bingo card. Kansas City's fourth in total defense this year, and they're second in scoring defense. So Kansas City's defense, believe it or not, actually wouldn't have said this in past years, but so far this year, 
meets the mantra in terms of can Miami function against these better defenses. Of course, Kansas City does have a good defensive line. They have for a while, even with it not being as good with the likes of Chris Jones and company. But I don't know, guys. I'm really excited for this one, Miami and Kansas City. What do you think? I think it's going to be a a great football game. I hate that it's going to be at 8.30 in the morning, but (laughs) as someone who's not a a morning person by trait, but um, I think it'll be really, really fun. This will be really interesting, though, because of a couple things. You get the matchup between Mike McDaniel versus the Kansas City Chiefs defensive coordinator and Steve Spagnola, who has been around the league forever, and he's had some great defenses with the Kansas City Chiefs and the Giants back in the day. So that'll be a fun matchup to see that that on both sides of the field. But anyway, uh, the thing about it is that we've seen the Dolphins, and uh, we saw it earlier in the season about a couple weeks ago. It just feels like whenever they play – the teams, you know, the big boys of the league, you know, the contenders. Whenever they played the contenders, they've turned to a potato. They just like they don't, uh, they don't play like we think they will, and they usually go way below expectations. They got blown out by Buffalo. Whenever Buffalo was kind of, you know, treading water, and then they got smashed by the Eagles. But that was in Philadelphia, so I can understand that. But the Buffalo one was bad. But those are the only two contenders they've really faced. So if you want to be a Super Bowl-level team, you got to beat this Chiefs team. And But, you know, they, got, they still got Mahomes. They got Pacheco. They got Travis Kelsey, even though he might be a little bit more distracted about his girlfriend. And uh, then their defense has been – awesome though so i think it's going to come down to if Tua, you know can play well and uh get the ball to tyree kill who's already over a thousand receiving yards which is crazy to me that he already has over yeah, that on pace for two thousand i think he's the yeah. earliest receiver ever to get to the thousand yard mark but it wouldn't surprise me if someone back in the day but anyway so it's going to come down to Tua being able to get to tyree kill and if tyree kill can get separation on the Chiefs defense, but he gets separation with just about anyone. So, um, yeah, it'll just we'll see if the Dolphins are contenders or pretenders this weekend. Yeah, that, that hurt because he, he got over a thousand yards against the minor and the Patriots this past weekend. Um, you know, the I think the key to this game is going to be uh, you, you look at uh, the you know you've had the the London games so far this year. You're at the Germany games now. Which one of these teams can shake off the the having to travel? Across the 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 the, uh, the Atlantic Ocean. I mean, you you've seen a couple. You specifically, you've seen Buffalo go over to a to London uh, earlier this year, and they did not. They they laid an egg against Jacksonville, um, and it was. Uh, and so what the the travel. And I know you're over there for a little bit. You know, you're over there for a week practicing and everything, uh, getting ready for it, getting a, your your body's adjusted to it. But still, it, it's still a it, a big trip for for both of these teams. So whichever one. Of these two teams can uh, can have the the travel affect them the least. I think is going to end up winning this game. Um, I think you know you, you talked about uh, Tyreek Hill having over a thousand yards receiving already. Two is almost at twenty touchdowns already. Uh, that that's super impressive. You look at you know you you we talked about the Mike McDaniel offense, but he's he's already almost at twenty touchdowns. You look down the rest of the list here uh, of of some of these top quarterbacks in the league. Uh, I, I think the second closest, you know, Josh Allen's got seventeen touchdowns. He's the second uh, right behind him, but everybody else is you know getting close to ten, getting close to ten touchdowns, maybe around, around that middle uh, middle portion of. Um, 
uh, of the the you know the the upper single digits eight nine touchdowns that two is already at 18 uh which is just phenomenal work uh by mike mcdaniel in this offense it, it's it's a it's a it's a Dolphins team that we can see it, and we can we you know, like this team has the offense to win win a win a Super Bowl. They they got Jalen Ramsey back this past weekend. That can help them on defense. Uh, it, it's it's going to come down to can you beat the elite teams because you've seen them play the elite teams so far this year. They have not been able to step up to the plate and get those wins. Can they beat an elite team uh, in, in the National Football League? Is is what's going to determine if they are truly a team that can uh, can win a Super Bowl this year. Yeah, as you mentioned, Tua is tied for the lead in passing touchdowns in the NFL with Kirk Cousins, uh, who obviously is now Dead. out for the year. So uh, Cousins will will be falling by the wayside there. In third, you had Josh Allen seventeenth. Do you, did you notice who's fourth? Uh, I did not. Was it Sam Howell at thirteen? No, I wish. Wow, it's Russell Wilson with sixteen. By the way, sixteen mm-hmm. TDs to four picks. I think people don't realize that he's played a little better ball this year. There's just the the team as a as a whole has been less than stellar. But Sean Payton's working on in, one in some ways. On yeah. one person. <laughs> in some ways. Um the interception part, you know, too does have seven, I think the NFL leader in interceptions because I was going through this one too, is there's a bunch of people at eight, but the leader is Garoppolo at nine. And, and guess what? Garoppolo got benched this weekend. But there's a, a lot of people that are notable at eight, including Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. So, you know, they're turning the ball over once per game at least. But I, I think Tua has, again, got to be committed for, for being in there. I think that they have really understood how to use Tyreek Hill, how to use Jalen Waddle, how to use their backs. And I think that uh, – Again, I, I hope that style wins out. Again, I want to see it because it's so much motion and it's so much. And there's a. I, I, when I say this, it sounds like I'm saying they're running a bunch of weird things when I say they're deceitful and they, they do some tricky stuff. I simply just mean is they run about as much motion as anybody. They run some funky type of play action stuff and they really try to scheme people open and i know that sounds like it's not something that or it's something that everyone would do but just when you look at it there's just subtle things that they do offensively uh even the way they'll, they'll have people pulling for off tackle runs it's just a little different than some of these other teams it's definitely a different style so I want to see if it will will succeed against a really good Kansas City defense. And again, they have went one with more defense this year than they have in years past. Mahomes again still playing well, but just not you know unbelievable for for his standards. And, and so there's an opportunity there if you're Miami. And again, it it's kind of weird that game's going to be in Germany because it is a really big game to kind of finish off the first half of the season between two teams six and two. And again, this is also about seeding. Like if you end up winning this division or winning these divisions, this tiebreaker could be the difference in a one seed and a three seed, two seed and three seed, one seed and two seed. I mean, really all that stuff is in play because six and two is the best record in the AFC and there's four teams with it. So so there's a lot of teams involved there because you've got not only Kansas City and Miami playing, but you've also got Baltimore and Jacksonville that are also six and two to start the year. So, uh, that's a big one coming up in Germany. I'm looking forward to seeing how that one will play out. And I'll give you one more 
quick aside too. Uh, this could have we talk about this more in college football with the Heisman and head-to-head matchups, but this one could have a little something to do with the MVP race if Tua can on a neutral field in Germany beat Mahomes. He's already getting some MVP love. The Dolphins are getting a lot of love there. If they do that, if they if they beat Kansas City with Tua having a big game, I, I think he's going to have to be in first place in the MVP conversation. So that's something to look out for too. We're going to take our time out to end the four o'clock hour when we come back in the five o'clock hour a sports call five at five and we'll get into a couple of the other big nfl games again there's one at every window on sunday we'll also look ahead to auburn and vanderbilt as that's the three o'clock sec network game we'll tell you what challenges the commodores will present for auburn and things to look out for in that one you're listening to the thursday edition of sports call tiger 95.9 Two hours of Sports Call are finished. Don't touch that radio dial. We've got one more hour to go. Whether you're leaving work, cruising around town, or listening on demand, we've still got some fun left for you. To be part of the show, give us a call at 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free at 1-888-9-TIGER-9. Auburn's first and Auburn's favorite sports talk show has been on the air since 1995 and is ready for 60 more minutes of fun. Now, let's get this hour of Sports Call started. Third and final hour of Sports Call starting right now. Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, T.P. Hammock, and Brooks Childress with you here on this Thursday edition of the program. Again, if you want to give us a call today, 334-887-3401 locally or toll-free, one 9 Today for the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group, going to look at five notable performances from last night's exhibition game between Auburn and Auburn-Montgomery. But first, we want to remind you, that John Harden and Brian Watts are your local land advisors with Southeastern Land Group. Land is always a sound financial investment, but it's also an investment in time with your family and friends. And Brian and John can help you find the perfect property for you. If you're looking to sell your land and get maximum exposure to potential buyers, your friends at Southeastern Land Group can also help you with that too. Call John Harden at 334-524-2756 or call Brian Watts at 334 707 Four two seven three, or find them online at selandgroup.com. Again, as mentioned, for the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group, looking at five notable individual performances for Auburn basketball last night. So let's start off with number one. The leading score for the Tigers last night was Denver Jones, 18 points, most notably on four of eight from three, four of four from the foul line. Denver scored 20 points a game at FIU last year and is figuring to be uh, one of the most important scores the Tigers will have, especially from the perimeter this season. Number two was Chad Baker-Mazar. 15 points. Now, most of this coming from the foul line. 
He was nine of nine from the foul line, so he was uh, worth about about a third almost of Auburn's production there at the free throw line. Had some nice drives to the basket and was certainly involved uh, in that. Number three. Haven't talked much about him yet, but Chaney Johnson had 14 points for the Tigers on a solid 6 of 10 from the floor. Uh, did struggle from the free throw line, however, just 2 of 7, but 3 rebounds to go along with his 14 points. Obviously played more, too, with the injury of Janai Broom and looked pretty solid there in his first game as an Auburn Tiger. Number four. Speaking of guys playing more because of the injured Janai Broom, Dylan Cardwell had a nice productive outing. Nine points, ten rebounds, and 21 minutes for the Tigers. It's going to be important for Dylan Cardwell to to be a quality backup big this year. Auburn did not really get another huge guy in the portal. They got some small forward slash power forwards, but not another center. And so with Janai Broom out, if he misses any time or if he gets in foul trouble, gets banged up again, really need Dylan Cardwell to come through in that similar fashion when they go out throughout the season. And last but not least, on the Sports Call 5 at 5, presented by Southeastern Land Group. Number 5. Mentioned this performance a little bit earlier, too, but Trey Donaldson, 8 assists on the night in 22 minutes. Again, 8 assists, just the one turnover. They'd have 4 points on 2 of 4 from the field, but uh, a good start distributing there for Trey Donaldson. We'll see how Aiden Hallway gets worked in once he's healthy. Hopefully he'll be healthy for that next Tuesday game against Baylor. And that is the Sports Call 5 at 5 presented by Southeastern Land Group. All right, back to some NFL. We were going through the most notable game at each of the timing windows, which, again, there's an additional timing window because of that 8.30 a.m. game in Germany between Kansas City and Miami, which we just talked about on the other side of the break. So let's go to the noon window where the number one matchup pretty clearly, the Baltimore Ravens and Seattle Seahawks. And because of the travails of San Francisco the last few weeks, new leader in that division, it's the Seattle Seahawks. And so the 49ers have been struggling around a little bit. Seahawks kind of flying on the radar. And so that has caused things to change there out west. With the Ravens, Ravens have led what is a very competitive division. There's really no one that has nothing in this in the AFC uh, North. And, and now that Cincinnati is coming on, I mean, you really are going to have everyone fighting for position there in the North. But again, Baltimore, the only two-loss team. Everyone else, four and three. Baltimore does have that extra game. They've not taken their bye yet, so they are six and two. What have you thought about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson this year? I think they've been pretty impressive. Um, <clears throat> I think Lamar's looked pretty good. Um, but, man, is their defense a lot better than I thought they would be. I knew that, you know, the Ravens always have a good defense. It's them and the Steelers. I've never seen them have a bad defense. And uh, that's definitely playing into effect, uh, effect this uh, year. I think a lot of people got a chance to see how good their defense was whenever they played the Lions, who um, tout one of the best offenses and one of the more – confusing offenses to stop because they do a really good job of incorporating the run in the pass and uh, the play action's really deadly with Jared Goff but the Ravens just just absolutely killed them and so and it was off the back of their defense so I've been really impressed with them I think they can go a long way as long as that defense is playing well that's a thing that uh one of my favorite sayings in football and uh it holds true to almost any level is that you know offense can struggle in cold weather or you know with the heat and all that but a defense travels it doesn't matter how cold it is or how hot it is the defense is coming to play 
So that is a great thing to have, especially in the in the National Football League. So I'm pretty high on the Ravens right now. Yeah, and, and you know, you you look at this, uh, and I think really something really important that you brought up, Ryan, was the fact that Cincinnati looks like they're starting to come on a little bit. Joe Burrow, they came off of, uh, they're coming off the bye week this week, uh, or did they come off the bye week last week? Yeah, they, since he beat San Francisco last they week, they came off the bye week, week last bye, week. Yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow starting to look a little more healthy. I think that bye week really helped them. Um, you still got a Cleveland team in that division that's got talent. Uh, and then you got a Pittsburgh team that, that that hangs around, and depending on what the quarterback play is, they could be a factor here. I think this is a game that you know you look at uh, you, you look at uh, coming into this. That Baltimore would really like to to win it for obvious for you know for because you want to win football games, but also because I, I think it could be a statement game. Cincinnati made a statement last weekend by beating San Francisco. Baltimore, you can make a statement this weekend by beating a, a Seattle team. And I know they're not division wins, but still, when if you can go out there and you can beat some of the better teams in the NFL and you can make a statement to the rest of your division, say, hey, we're, you know, we're, we're still here, we're still leading this division, I think that could go a long way when it, uh, coming, when it goes, comes to uh, motivation, morale coming in. And when you see some of these other teams starting to get things fired up in your division, it, it kind of it, it gets the momentum continuing to roll in your favor. Uh, Seattle's been a team as well that, you know, after they got rid of Russell Wilson and you heard that they were starting Geno Smith, you said, oh, okay, well, all right. And they've been, you know, the, uh, Pete Carroll has, has fashioned that team and it looks good. I, I, I think that they're a team that can compete for playoff uh, spots and they can get out there and they can uh, continue to, they can win some football games. But I think in, in terms of this weekend, Baltimore, it, it, you need to, with the rest of your division uh, being competitive, with Cincinnati starting to turn things around, with uh, two other talented teams in your division in Pittsburgh and Cleveland, you need this win to make a statement and say, we can beat some of the best teams in this in, in the NFL. Yeah, look, I, I want to watch more Baltimore. And that's usually not something I say because I don't really care one way or the other. About I'm going to say Ravens. not a lot of people outside of the Maryland area say that. <laughs> but I want to watch more Baltimore because I want to see – where this team should stack in the hierarchy of the AFC and if this style is really working out for Lamar. Because I feel like the only couple of times I've gotten to watch them this year have been some of their weaker moments. And I remember watching them against Pittsburgh a few weeks ago, and Lamar did not look good in that game. And they lost a very low-scoring game at the end to a division rival that, again, Pittsburgh has a really good defense. So, I mean, that's part of it. But I – I just want to stare at it a little closer because I want to see if this Lamar Jackson passing success, which there's been a little bit more of this year, if that can happen in the playoffs. Because Lamar as a passer has still – I know we talk about it all the time. This has nothing to do with where I rate him. I mean, I guess I should say nothing. But it doesn't mean I don't rate him as a really good quarterback because part of it is running and winning games, and he does that very well. And they're so much different and so much worse without him. But he has still been, in the most important games and most important moments, a very average NFL passer. That That's just been true. Now, he's got a little better offensive line this year. Uh, I think that their wide receivers are gelling a little bit better. But the point remains, like if he's going to take that final step from very good quarterback to elite quarterback to winning a Super Bowl, all the things that go with that, then the passing just has to get a scotch better than what it was in previous years. And we're seeing some more good signs this year. Absolutely. 
but I just want to stare at it a little closer throughout the remainder of this season to see if that's going to translate in the most important moments here once they get to the AFC playoffs. So that's the big thing that I want to see from Baltimore because I think they've got enough of the rest of it to be able to win. Seattle's a nice story, and we don't spend much time on Seattle, obviously, either. But look, if you would have told me a couple of years ago, post like the Russell Wilson trade happens, and then you tell me, you know what? They're going to be better than the team they traded Russell Wilson to, which is a low bar to clear, but that, that would be true. They're going to go to the playoffs. They're going to revive Geno Smith's career. And halfway through or about halfway through of year two with Geno Smith, they're going to be leading the division. I wouldn't have believed it. I would have said, what in the Marshawn Lynch and Richard Sherman's going on here? Because that that just did not seem plausible. I thought Pete Carroll was nearing the end. I mean, the guy's always been full of energy, but still, I mean, he's older than you realize. I think he's early 70s now. He is not a young head coach, uh, despite being very spry. And so I thought rebuild mode, one last shot for Geno, Pete Carroll getting to, to into the 70s. It felt like the end of that that kind of era of, of Seahawks football. Good for them that it's not. Five and two. And realistic shot to win the division. We don't know what Brock Purdy fully is. He had 10 or 11 of the most awesome games you can play. Winning football, turnover-free football. Here it is, hit this guy, Make don't make mistakes. And now he's had three stinkers in a row. And so the, the division is real, is real. I mean, that Seattle could do that. So that's a big game. I, I, I could see that one going either way. I actually picked Seattle in our little picks that we do in the office because I just think there's something to this team that can really, in my way, in my view, win in a bunch of different ways. If you need the 300-yard Geno game, they can do it. If you need the big ground game, they can do it. If you need low scoring, they've got the defense for it. They just feel like they've got a lot of ways to win. And not that Baltimore does, and I think Baltimore's a really good team too, but I just think Seattle's getting some momentum. There's this, I don't know, there's this feel like, again, wait a minute, San Francisco might not even win their own division? Uh, that I'm kind of leaning into that a little bit right here but by going with Seattle to, to beat Baltimore. And look, also it brings some chaos if Baltimore loses. Maybe I want it to happen because uh, if they lose and every team for the moment – would have three law assuming Pittsburgh wins tonight, which they may not. But if Pittsburgh wins tonight, then everyone's going to be at three losses in the AFC North, just the difference is a bye week for those other teams versus not having a one yet for Baltimore. So the the AFC North is fun, and the, the all that could shake out a number of different ways, especially if Baltimore goes down. So that's one I'll definitely be looking at. Let's go ahead and hit the three o'clock window game before we take our next break. Dallas and Philly. Philly has the 7-1 record, best record in the NFL. Dallas, though, 6-2, or 5-2, or I'm sorry, 5-2. And, and the Cowboys have sustained a couple injuries but gotten through it. Jerron Bland has really stepped up defensively. I, I thought there would be an opportunity. I was wrong for Noah Igbenogany on that defense, but Jerron Bland moving out of the slot, moving to the edge has been awesome. And Dallas has, again, the type of regular season team that makes you wonder. Now, again, I'm, I already have learned, I, I learned a lesson from a Tony Romo team or five 
<laughs> that I'm not picking them in the postseason. Dak, Tony, doesn't matter. But this team in the regular season is trouble, and it's a good football team. Can they pull it off in Philly? What, what do you think? I think – I mean, they could. I think it just depends on how they start the game. That's how it's been with the Cowboys under Mike McCarthy. It feels like they are a front runner, per se. If they get out early, they're probably going to win the football game. But if they get behind, they usually just kind of, you know, trip up over themselves and just find a way to dig themselves into – they dig their own grave, basically, if they get behind early. So I'm going with the Eagles here because I think the Eagles are just better, honestly. I think they're really good, and I think they're – you know, we haven't really seen them play their best football this year, and they usually find a way to play really well against Dallas. I do think they'll split the series. I think Dallas will get them later on whenever they play. I don't know when they play again, but I imagine it's probably sometime in December. But um, you can fact check me on that. But, um, yeah, I, I think that uh, Philly will get this first one, and then Dallas will get the second one. But I just think that they're going to make too many mistakes like they seem to do under Mike McCarthy, whether it be false start penalties or just, you know, turnovers. So I think they'll just dig their own grave, and it'll probably be about, eh, I'll go with like 27 to like 14, 27 to 17, safe bet. I'm just happy that for the last couple years, we have finally broken through. For years, we were force-fed the 3 o'clock Fox window, Dallas and Philadelphia, two mediocre teams fighting each other. But because it was uh, NFC East and because it was the Cowboys, we were force-fed that by Fox at the 3 o'clock window when they would play. I am so happy that these last couple years, both these teams have at least been very uh, extremely competitive, and especially when the Eagles, a team that's made the Super Bowl, that this is a game that, you know, like you you, you mentioned, that 3 o'clock window, it's by far the best game of that that three o'clock window um it's it, it's great uh you you look at the the philadelphia team undefeated at home this year they haven't lost yet at the bank um or at the link i'm sorry um it, it's uh it's it, it's that, that that's their baseball team yeah the, yeah the bank is across <laughs> yeah. the street, street or across the park they lost lot. there and we were glad they did yeah. lose there but the the eagles have not lost at the link yet this year uh, i don't think it starts uh, on sunday i think that they they can beat the cowboys uh i think the cowboys have a have a, have a decent team this year it continues to be for me uh can uh dak prescott get it done against some of the more elite quarterbacks in the league um, and I just I don't know that I, I think this Philadelphia defense this Philadelphia defense continued to load up here at the toward the trade deadline they they use and they continue to use Tennessee as a farm system basically they they say oh we'll we'll take this guy and we'll take this guy um, but they I think they've got a really good defense uh, going um, we we've seen them build it the last few years. Uh, I think that you know the the combination of Jalen Hurts with his legs. AJ Brown had a big game last week. Um, he's now over, all, close to a thousand yards receiving on the year. Um, I, I think that this this Eagles team is is going to be a little too good. I think it's closer uh, game. I think it's probably a, a seven to to nine point difference there. I think it's just a one one almost a two score game. But I, I think it's a very, very uh, – I think it's a, a competitive football game, but I think the Eagles have too much talent. The Eagles – and, look, I try to remind myself of this sometimes because the NFL is just a different animal than college football. These are all professional teams, and the gaps between them – I won't say 1 to 32, but let's just call it 4 through, like, 28. The gap in those teams is about four or five plays. That It really, in the course of a game – 
on the average game, it's four or five plays. I would just say, you, you look at the the spreads, I think probably the biggest spreads you see throughout the year is 14 points. Yeah, I mean, you don't see more two-possession two spreads. Yeah. And, and it comes to mind in both ways in this in this game because these teams have had an uh-oh like that. Dallas lost to Arizona, guys. Arizona's going to win about two or three games So they've got one win right now. Right. They're, they're going to win just a couple of games this year. And they traded their quarterback. Yeah. And, and so they they – they're not Arizona's not good. We, they were feisty to start the year. I was proud of them, but they're ultimately going to be what we thought they were, and they're going to be a really bad team. They beat Dallas. It's one of their two losses right now. Last week, Philly against Washington was losing a lot of that game. And by the way, breaking news: sound the bell. They didn't get a tush push. They fumbled one. Washington recovered it. They didn't score on one of them. Can't believe it. And so Dallas, I, that. <laughs> Usually, if it's third and two or less, it's going to be a first down because you're going to have tush push one way or another, and you're going to get it. For the first time, they didn't get it last week, and I wonder if Dallas with Parsons up on that line, they can provide a push. I know he doesn't usually play interior; he's, he's smaller for that. But uh, I wonder if Dallas's defensive line could hang there, hang in there, and stop one of those. Now that is proven that it could can potentially be stopped. It's just hard to go against the home team here. I, I think I think Dallas could split. I think that they could play and win in the return trip in Dallas. I think they're a good enough regular season team to do that. But I still think it's not as big as in college, but home field is still worth a little bit. Again, we know it's worth three points. That's what Vegas always says, three points. And, and so I, I think that, that Philly will, will hang in there. And, and look, this I, I would say this. It would not shock me if Philly wins by – three points with a last-minute field goal. It would not shock me if at halftime it's 21-3 to three and we're kind of like, eh. Uh, I mean, like, the, like that's, just, that's just the thing with Dallas. They can be a good team, but for a good team, they have a wider range of outcomes for whatever reason, just because it's so dramatic with them that it just feels like epic failure is more possible. But look, at the end of the day, it's a good football team, and it has been a number of years. I know they've not... I know the Super Bowl thing's going on and on, but a lot of these teams the last 10 or 15 years have been pretty good. Uh, they, they just have not had any postseason success, but yeah, this is the regular season, so I won't count them out against a Philly team that's at times had, had some very thin margins of error. We're going to take our first time out here in the 5 o'clock hour. When we come back, we'll wrap up our NFL discussion by talking about the Sunday night game and any other game that the guys are intrigued by. And then after that, we'll finish up the show with some Auburn and Vanderbilt for you. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call on Tiger to listen to our show be sure to download the tiger communications app and listen to sports call wherever you go this is philip lolly former auburn tigers football assistant coach for the 2010 national championship team and you are listening to sports call
Sports Talk, Tiger 95.9, the Tiger.fm and the Tiger Communications app. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, and T.P. Hammock with you here on this Thursday afternoon going over some NFL stuff for this coming weekend. Again, going to go through one more game then get to some Auburn Vanderbilt before the end of the show. Again, really is a good matchup at each time slot. Morning, Miami, Kansas City, noon, Seattle, Baltimore, 3 o'clock, Cowboys and Eagles. Night game looking has built, looked better by the week because of Cincinnati coming back to form. It's Buffalo and Cincinnati inside of Cincinnati, Ohio there for the rematch of a game that was obviously when DeMar Hamlin got hurt and had the cardiac event the other year and, and obviously brought up a lot of bad memories there. Uh, at the time, those two teams were playing lights out. It was a huge game. So they're trying again now on this Sunday night in Cincinnati. Bengals playing better. Burrow playing better, playing healthier. Buffalo got a win over Tampa. Still not looking like the same Bills unit from the last couple of years, but the record's not awful. But then again, too, you got someone in the division that is looking really good in Miami. And by the way, I know their offense is awful. Jets are 4-3. and three. It's not like they're that far behind. Jets had a miraculous win against the Giants last week. And so, yes, we can say all we want about how bad Zach Wilson is and if Aaron Rodgers is actually going to make it back or not. But Jets are 4-3, and three, so it's not like Buffalo has them beat yet. So, Bills and Bengals. Does this feel like the – let me set it up to you like this. Do you take the winner of this game seriously in terms of winning the AFC Maybe not regular season-wise, but potentially in the playoffs. Do you take the winner here as, okay, they've moved into another tier while kind of demoting the loser a little bit and saying, you know, actually, I, I just think the loser of this game's kind of showing themselves and not really got a shot at it. I mean, does it, does it impact your view of these teams? No, I wouldn't say so. I think I think they are both, you know, what we are talking about the Bengals 49ers, right? I mean, Bengals Bills. Bengals Bills, but that was from last week, sorry. Uh but no, yeah, I I wouldn't say so. I think they're both, you know, really talented at the uh quarterback position. So, um I think the Bills have been a little underwhelming and it seems like it's been that way since uh Dayball's left, you know. Brooks pulled out the numbers last week where we've seen Josh Allen's production dip, but um I, I do think do I think it's good to lose it? No, of course not. But I think Burrow's playing a lot better since he's been healthy because he doesn't have the calf injury anymore. I mean, you'd go out there and try to play NFL football with an injured calf. It's not going to go well. So uh, I do think the Bills, uh, the Bengals are surging. Well, it wouldn't go well for me with two healthy calves. Well, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, well, I don't know. We could we could get you out I there. I could hold the football. We, we the could kicker. get you a tryout. But yeah. uh, anyway. I think the Bengals are surging. I think the Bills are, you know, treading water again. But I'm leaning towards the Bengals here. But it wouldn't surprise me if the Bills won because they do they do win games like this whenever it feels like their backs up against the wall. Sean McDermott gets them ready to go out there and play some good football, and uh, I think it'll be a great game. And I don't think I don't think this will be the last time they see each other. I think they'll see each other again in the playoffs, probably in the divisional round like they did last year. But um. Yeah, I think the Bengals are just – I think they are doing what we thought they would do early in the season, 
where they're performing really well. But, um, yeah, I think this will be a pretty good football game. I don't think my my opinion of either of these teams is going to change that much no matter who wins the game. I, I think that neither of these teams have done anything that's been detrimental to say, oh, well, they lose this game, I don't, you know, this, this is, you know, whatever. But also neither of these teams has done anything this year really that I'm like – uh, that that puts them. Uh, I would put them above a, a, a Dolphins or a, a Chiefs team right now. Um, you know, I, I, the Bills beat the Dolphins, but uh, you know the, they've they've also they laid an egg over uh, across the the pond in in London. Uh, they lost to the Patriots uh, a couple weeks ago. They they as, as you mean they kind of treaded water for a little bit. There there's some there's some stuff there that you could look at and you could say, oh, all right, this is you know this is a, a good Bills team, but there's there's just something going on here that's not quite right in the bank. Bengals, uh, you know, they're still, you know, and Joe Burrow is is just getting uh, getting to where he can he can really play football at the elite level that we've seen him play in the past few years. So I, I think no matter who wins this game, I wouldn't say that either that they're going to be, you know, I'm automatically saying oh they they've got the inside track because uh, I, I just neither of these teams has shown me anything this year that I'm I'm just been like wow. That this this team could really do. They've both they've both had had a couple of highs, and then they've they've also had some lows this year. And so it feels like they're they're both teams that can make the playoffs. They're both teams that could either you get into the playoffs and, and you get a win. They they could make some stuff happen. But I would still you know I, I would still say after this game that you know it, the the ASC probably re- runs through either South Beach or the Midwest with Kansas City. I will say this, the reason I asked the question, I don't necessarily think the winner jolts into the the highest of tiers yet, although I think the potential to do so will absolutely be there given these two teams last couple of years. But I do think the loser's in trouble. I, I 100% think the loser is in trouble. I mean, you start to look at what the set, the challenge Cincinnati would have in that AFC North to have to beat all those teams, have to pass them just to make the playoffs because now all of a sudden you're worried about two teams from the AFC East making it. So that's one of your wild card spots. And you're then worried about you have to pass at least one, probably two of your AFC North compadres to, to be able to, to make the playoffs. So I would get a little bit worried about that. And then it's just for Buffalo. I just feel like the, the chemistry has just not been as there. I think the, I think the sense of urgency is there. It might be causing them to overdo it a little bit because I think they're feeling the weight of expectations now because Buffalo's franchise does not usually have a, a, a wealth of expectations. The last couple of years it has. And it's getting very close to meeting them, but until they get back in the Super Bowl, they're going to be feeling that they're leaving it just a little bit short. So, And I think the loser of it, again, is just in, in big trouble. So... I would lean towards, yeah, I, I think a little bit less of the loser of this game, and I think a little bit less of their chances. They would have to they would have to revert back to past selves incredibly quickly for the loser of this game. But looking forward to it, think a good number of points could be on the board. And, again, Cincinnati's been playing good football uh, here the last couple of weeks, especially last week beating San Francisco in San Francisco after the bye week. All right, got a few minutes left. Let's transition back into college. Uh, That was a look at NFL for the weekend. Have not talked about Auburn and Vanderbilt yet. We did talk some Auburn earlier, both basketball and football, and that we talked about Jamari and Burnett decommitting. So let's talk some about this actual matchup between Auburn and Vandy 
on Saturday. Vandy coming in two and seven. We know that Swan will not play. They're going to play two quarterbacks. They're going to play Seals and Taylor. Uh, Clark Lee said as much on the SEC teleconference Wednesday. He's already told us he's playing both. Seals more of the thrower, Taylor more of the runner. Taylor ran a lot the other week. The measurables on him, for those that don't know, that may not have seen Vandy, which, again, I completely understand if you've not watched much Vandy this year. And Taylor's only been playing more recently. Walter Taylor, 6'7", 235 at the quarterback position. Uh, that is a big boy. And, again, he's not going to throw it much, but he presents challenges in the run game uh, and more of a physical variety. Many people have talked about their top wide receiver uh, this week. But, again, I don't know if they're going to be able to throw the ball enough. It depends. It depends if they want to plan more geared around Seals, who at least has had minor success as a passer, eight TDs to three picks this year, or if they want to go run heavy with Taylor short in the game, that sort of thing. But their, their top wide receiver, I mean, he's gotten a lot of love, and, and he should – this kind of was the case a few years ago. I remember they had Kalijah Lipscomb, and I think it was Jared Pinkney was their tight end. And it was like, hey, these are pretty good weapons for a Vandy team. Not used to this. But Will Shepard, our top receiver, pretty big kid himself, 6'3", 198. 40 catches over 591 yards, or 590 yards, and eight touchdowns on the season in nine games. So he is a real weapon for them. He is going to be the guy that Auburn will focus on as a wide receiver when Seals – is in the game to throw. We've been on the two-quarterback side offensively all year, guys. We've been on the side of Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford, seeing what that's like, it not working at all. And we've seen from that point of view that it's it's not been a good thing for Auburn. Can it, will it work for Vandy? Can there be a path to success, or are you kind of – extra confident seeing what we've seen at Auburn this year that yeah Vandy that two quarterback thing it's not 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 a great way to go what do you think I think it's uh I think it's a fascinating uh, matchup honestly I think I, I mentioned this on the Plainsman podcast earlier this week so there's two things going against Auburn's favor this week number one it's really hard to win on the road in college football it doesn't matter where you go it's just hard to win on the road no one likes to go play on the road Number two, it's hard to get up for a football game that you probably should win. And what I mean by that is Auburn knows they should probably win against Vanderbilt. Okay, It's the same thing with like Ohio State playing Rutgers, Alabama playing, you know, Vanderbilt. So, uh, But, yeah, I think that's uh, an interesting factor there. And Vanderbilt doesn't get to see Auburn very much, so they're going to get up for this football game. Even though Auburn's not doing great this year, you know, it's a matchup they don't get to see often. They'll get up and play for that because Clark Lee's a good football coach. He's done well with Vanderbilt so far, in my opinion. So I think the two-quarterback uh, two system, I actually got to see uh, Walter Taylor play um, his senior year and I know he's being labeled as a runner, and it's probably because he's young. But whenever I saw him play in person, he could throw the football. He can he can let it rip. If they let him let it rip, he can let it rip. So uh, I wouldn't surprise me if they kept him in more than the uh, uh, Ken Seals. Ken Seals, thank you. I was I knew his last name. I couldn't remember his first name. But uh, yeah, he's been a uh, pretty good to follow through, and uh, I think it'll be close. Honestly, I think the first half. I think it'll be tied. And that's one of my bold predictions. I think that it's just 
they're going to play really hard. I think Auburn's going to pull away in the end, but I do think that Vanderbilt's going to give Auburn a pretty good game. And I think some people are going to be a little, uh, as I said, I think some people are going to be a little overreacting in the first half. It wouldn't surprise me. I think it'll be like 10 to 10. Uh, but I do think Auburn will pull away late in it because I just think that uh, Vanderbilt's going to come to play, but at the end of the day, uh, Auburn's talent will uh, prevail against the Commodores. Yeah, you know, I, I just I, – I think here's, – here's what I think. I think a two-quarterback system can work if it's run properly. A two Going to a two-quarterback system in the middle of the season after you've had a designated starter – I'm not 100% sure how that was going to fare because you haven't had as much time to practice it and be, you know, make sure that it's, it's, it, it, you can run it to its fullest effect. And even, even if you start out the season, we've seen, you know, you mentioned it, we've seen Auburn at, run a two-quarterback system here this year a little bit. And even though they've, they've kind of been going with that since the beginning of fall camp and everything, it still didn't go the way they wanted to go. It didn't go the, 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 it didn't wasn't executed to its fullest extent, um, so I think going to the, for two quarterbacks, especially having to do that in the middle of the season uh, when you build your offense and everything, kind of to to with with one quarterback in mind, um, I, I think that that could play into Auburn's Auburn's defense's uh, hands here, where they uh, they they may have the upper hand here in this football game because you're you're gonna you know if you see these running on running onto the field, it's not like I mean, it, it it feels like you're you're gonna see the quarterback come on, and you you know what's going to happen. You're like, all right, this guy's coming on. We know where we we can kind of sell out here and and do know what what's gonna what's gonna kind of happen. If you if you start running it from the beginning of the year, uh, you can you know work some more details in there. Say, hey, quarterback A is our main pr- passer, but he can also run a little bit. Quarterback B is our runner, but he can also pass a little bit. Uh, and you you know keep the defense guessing about how where that football is gonna go. Uh, when when they come onto the field, but going to it in the middle of the season, uh, especially like I said, when you you've been geared your offense toward uh, one uh, one quarterback uh, throughout the year, uh, I think is a it, it can play into to Auburn's defense's hands on Saturday. And look, I mean, again, they they feel they have to because their main guy Swan's out, and to that point, I understand it, but. Again, the challenges. What we again, I feel like we're familiar with them. The challenges of two quarterback system is keeping guys in rhythm and having guys do stuff that's not so predictable. And it's like, well, inherently, if you've got one guy you feel better about as a runner versus one guy that you have feeling much better as a passer, then it's going to be very tempting if you don't break any form there. It's going to be, I mean, Taylor comes in, Auburn's just going to load the box. And Seals comes in, Auburn's going to be ready for a pass or a running back run, certainly not going to account for the quarterback on gives. Uh, again, it, it, it gets tricky. And look, I, maybe Vandy hangs in there. And people, and, and I've said at times, you know, trying to, I don't know, give some moral victories to Vandy just because they're so damn bad. Um, you know, oh, they hung in there for a little while and, and that sort of thing. Guys, here's the last five results. They lost to Ole Miss by 26, Georgia by 17. Yay, moral victory, uh, except lost to Florida by more than that. Lost to Florida by 24, lost by 17 to Missouri, lost by 17 to Kentucky. They lose by three possessions or more in every single game. Okay, that, No matter how it looks, no matter who they were playing, 
even if it was a really good team or a really meh team, they lose by three possessions in these games. Before that Kentucky game, if you want, I'll just go ahead and go. I was almost there. They lost to UNLV. Okay, that was a one possession game, but you lost to UNLV and you're an SEC team. You lost to Wake Forest by 16. That's essentially three possessions. Good for you. You beat Alabama and AM and Hawaii. But, but Vandy's not beating a P5 team. And in P5 competition, their closest margin of, of loss is 16 to Wake Forest. Auburn's, I think, 12.5-point favorites. If Auburn doesn't win this game by at least 14 to 17 points, they've not done a good enough job, period. Uh, and, and look, the I, I can say, you know, just make sure you get the win and that sort of thing because ultimately that will ensure they're going to a bowl game because they'll beat New Mexico State. And, look, that is the goal. You, you absolutely want to win. But what you put on, on the field in the first half against Mississippi State suggests there is still something to be found in this team. And, again, it's not going to lead them to anything huge this year. They've already got four losses. But you do have that Iron Bowl coming up in a few weeks, and it is at home, and you know what the crowd will be. You know what home Iron Bowls mean. You know Brian Harson for all the world, should have beaten Alabama. And if that's the case, anything's possible. And so you want to build off that Mississippi State game to give yourself the best chance in that game, just quite frankly. And so if they go and only beat Vandy by six or seven points, I'm sorry, it's not good enough. Vandy's not that good. They're two and seven. They're not going to bowl game. And um, I, well, for all the moral victories they've had and, and for all the struggles Auburn's had, Auburn's coming off their best Power 5 game of the year, period. You can denounce it and say it's Mississippi State. Who cares? I'll tell you why you care because Mississippi State is still better than Cal or at least as good as Cal. Mississippi State's defense is not any worse than LSU's defense, and we saw how Auburn struggled in those games. So Auburn's coming off the best Power 5 game of the year. Don't turn around and just because it's in Nashville in a high school stadium, go all of a sudden score 17 points and look inept again. Go and insert some dominance. You are more talented than Vanderbilt, and that's not many teams you can say that for in SEC play this year because of the last couple of years of recruiting, but Vandy's absolutely one that you are more talented than. Lean on them. Get Thorne going in the passing game. Don't switch the quarterbacks. And, again, that's the two-minute spiel of it, and I know it was a passionate two-minute spiel. We'll definitely elaborate more on it tomorrow. Uh, but I just think that, again, for all the moral victories you can give Vanderbilt, they haven't had any real victories, and Auburn needs to keep it that way on Saturday. One quick final timeout when we come back, a nightly TV guide. You're listening to the Thursday edition of Sports Call Tiger 95.9. know how easy it is to listen to our show all you have to do with your amazon smart device is say alexa play sports call auburn now back to the multi-time abby award-winning sports call Welcome back to Sports Call, Tiger 95.9. Ryan LaVoy, Brooks Childress, T.P. Hammock here on this Thursday edition of the program. Just a couple of minutes left, and we'll get out here. TV Guide in just a second. 
And looking forward to this weekend for sure. A lot of good football, a lot of good NFL football. Tomorrow, when we get back on the show, obviously more Auburn Vandy preview and then preview of the whole weekend of college football. There's going to be, I think, five top 25 matchups this weekend. And there's some some really important games coming up, and especially in this league. There, there's a game in the East and a game in the West, which very well might end the division and, and go ahead and set the SEC title game. I hope, for Auburn's fans' sakes and myself, all of us, that it does not set confidently who's going to the SEC title game because uh, that would mean the home team's one in those. But uh, really huge games – uh, for sure, and some playoff implications, and again, about as big as you can get with the SEC here in the latter weeks when you talk about Alabama, LSU, and Georgia, Missouri. So we'll break down those games. We'll break down again Auburn, Vandy, and then some of the other big games going across the country. Bedlam's this weekend. That's our game over on FM Talk ninety three point nine. Oklahoma State's ranked now. They did not look good earlier this year. What was it, South Alabama that crushed them by four possessions? All of a sudden, Oklahoma State's got a shot at the, the Big 12 title game if they can win this one. I mean, it's a big game. And it's the last bedlam, and it's in, it's in uh, it's at Oklahoma State. So it, it's going to be – they're going to be fired up. They're going to bring their pitchforks. This is the last time they're playing Oklahoma for the foreseeable future. They're going to be paddling the side of that stadium. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm excited about Stillwater's it. Stillwater is going to be rocking yes. for that one. <laughs> Absolutely. Stillwater will not be still on, <laughs> on Saturday. So looking forward to the weekend in college football, and we'll break all that down tomorrow. Final minute or two of the program today. Time for Nightly TV Guide. Our show is about to end, but we've got you covered on entertainment for the evening. Here's Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide. Sports Call's Nightly TV Guide, presented as always by White Claw Heart Seltzer. Brooks Childress, what do we have? Well, I will give you one movie pick for the evening because there's a plethora of football on tonight. So 6.56 exactly on Stars. It's Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. Uh, so that is your Marvel pick of the evening, but at 6.56 exactly. So make sure you tune in on Stars. Football on tonight, of course, you got the Amazon Prime NFL game. The Titans visit the Steelers. Check that out. Uh, if you've got Amazon Prime or you have a friend that'll let you borrow their password or you can go watch it with a friend, uh, make sure you watch uh, that. And then the rest of the football on tonight, college football. There's a plethora of games on tonight. All games are starting about the same time, though, so you get that clicker ready as you're going to be needing to flip around. 6 o'clock on FS1, some Big 12 action from Jones AT&T Stadium in Lubbock, Texas, as TCU visits Texas Tech. Then at 6.30, ESPN uh, battle at Wallace Wade Stadium as Wake Forest visits Duke, a little ACC North Carolina rivalry right there. Uh, And then the battle of the belt right here in the great state of Alabama. South Alabama visits Troy down at Veterans Memorial Stadium. No matter how good South Alabama has been these past few years, Troy always gets the best of them. And so it's really always a fun little rivalry there between those two. And then some HBCU football at 6.30 on ESPNU. Mississippi Valley State visits Bethune-Cookman down in Daytona Beach, Florida. And that, my friends, is a nightly TV guide brought to you by our friends at White Claw Hard Seltzer. Thank you very much for that, Brooks. And uh, Borgard does not have a cross-state trip tomorrow, so we will see you on at least part of the show tomorrow before the Borgard football game. Appreciate you being here today. Again, we'll see you tomorrow. See you then. And T.P. Hammock, thank you for being here this afternoon. Hope you have a great rest of your week, sir. We'll see you again next week. 
Thank you, as always. That will do it for the show today. Again, as always, we appreciate all those that tuned in and called in. For Brooks Childress and T.P. Hammock, my name is Ryan LaVoy. Have a great Thursday night, and we'll talk to you again tomorrow. 